For those who are watching on YouTube, you notice that we've exchanged one little figure for not as small a figure. We have our special guest today. Uh, uh, we have Max Bricolt. He is the governor, most stupendous, puissance lord, the august champion of Quebec City. Uh, he has his heraldry right there. So good morning, Max. How are you? Not bad. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Thanks for coming on. You've been with the show for almost since the beginning. Uh, I think maybe we were a few weeks in, and then I started seeing your comments. So uh, why don't you tell us, tell our audience about yourself and how you got in the hobby and, and uh, what you're doing now in roleplay? Well, uh, I'm presently a video game designer. Uh, so okay. I'm in the video game business for almost 25 years. Uh, I've been working in at Ubisoft Montreal for 21 years almost. So I've uh, I've seen a lot of uh, franchises born and destroyed during the years, but uh, mostly uh, pretty good franchises that I I got my hands on. And uh, also, what happens is that um, the business is good right now. Sometimes it's not as good, but. Right. Now it's pretty good, and uh, we're happy for all the support from uh, all the fans. And uh, how do I get in the hobby? Okay, it's going to be a short, long story. I'm going to use the tree metaphor, planting a tree metaphor. I remember okay. when I was a kid, brother came by uh, once in my room after he played a role-playing game, and he had, he had a funky set of dice. I remember that. And I said, well, what are these dice doing? And what, what kind of game are you playing? And he says, well, role-playing game. And it's, it's kind of like the metaphor. He just gave me a seed. Just something that I could use later on in my life. Fast forward to 1989, when HeroQuest, the board game, came out. Oh, yeah. yeah. HeroQuest, yeah. Yeah. Uh, for those of you who know, it's a gaming workshop, um, kind of like a stepping stone to get into Warhammer. Uh, it was published by, here in Canada anyways, uh, was published in um, by Parker Brothers, if I'm not mistaken. And okay. I noticed the, the commercial with all the fantasy stuff and all that. that and the, Also, they had six-sided dice, but with weird um, uh, designs on them. And I said, wow, this looks like your, uh, your game uh, my, for my brother. He's like, yeah, it's right. similar. So... Uh, Without giving a second second thought, my my parents got it got it for my birthday, and uh, it was a huge surprise because those games back in the day was pretty expensive, because you had the whole kit, you had the DM, DM screen, you had the, the the all the figurines, uh, the sheets, and all that stuff, um, and we played it, and this is where the seed just went inside the the, the soil, if you if you will, but it didn't grow. It just it was there. I had a lot of fun playing that game, but it was missing something. And I remember, fast forward, in 1993, if I remember correctly, uh, second edition was in full swing. Not first edition, sorry. But second edition was in full swing. Yeah. 
And uh, one of the boyfriend of my sister came to my house and said, hey, well, do you want to play this? And I noticed he had a funky set of dice, just like my brother. And I was like, wow, ah. cool. So I said, hey, bro, can I borrow your set of dice? He said, yeah, sure, go ahead. Hey, I'm going to give it to you. I was like, wow, okay, that's a huge present for me because they're like runestones for me. So we created a character, a fighter. So I appreciate your input last week about the fighter. I always had a small sentimental uh, uh, appeal to the fighters because of that, because it's the, the first one that I played. And it's the easiest, uh, quote-unquote, since uh, we can have any sort of stats uh, available for them. And um, I played it, and at the end, I remember the point where... Uh, I got into the hobby, uh, long story short, for the, the adventure. My fighter was uh, newly uh, dubbed um, uh, a guard inside of a village, and a bunch of orcs uh, kidnapped the, how you say it, the mayor's daughter. And yeah. that was my stepping stone of getting her back. Of course, the damsel in distress scenario. So I went in, and I fought Two goblins and an orc. First goblin, no problem. Second goblin, yeah, a little bit of scratch here and there, no problem. And since I had a D10, I had seven hit points, so it wasn't that big of a deal. But the orc really hammered me, and it was a duo die situation. And the way the DM described it to me, I remember it clearly. He said, "You can see the 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 mayor's daughter in the background, tied up, tears running down her cheek, and uh, and she was." seeing all hopeful, and I was kneeling down, wounds everywhere. I said, ah, oh, I could go get help. Or, you know, he said to me, you can go get help, or, you know, you can stay there and fight and die bravely. So I said, ah, oh, let's go for it, you know? And I remember getting a natural 20, of course, and I uh, chopped the, the orc halfway through the chest, and the way he described it, and how I kneeled back, and I said, I... I saved the situation that I just watered down the seed and it grew like uh, a thousand year old oak in one instant. I was like mm. instantly hooked and I was like, wow. And I remember that moment clearly because it was a big part of my adolescent, of course, and uh, started playing that ever since. For, Wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. For first edition though, since we were at second edition and we were, uh, you know, young adolescents, and you said, hey, who needs first edition? We got second edition now. Right. Yeah, uh, I did some research, uh, of course, and it was pretty good. I mean, the first edition was really remarkable. But, um, and I know that uh, Gary did a lot of stuff that influenced uh, basically all entertainment at that time. Uh, whatever it was the hobby or video games or even... Um, uh, <laughs> barbarian movies of the 80s. <laughs> right, uh, yeah. They influence pretty much everything. Uh, but it was only recently, like a year and a half ago or two, that I came upon a trailer uh, for a documentary about him. It was, it's, um, uh, what's it called? Uh, in Gary's Basement. Okay, yeah. I think I think I saw something like that. Yeah. yeah. Was it on... Um... Is it on Netflix or Amazon? Or? No, it was a Patreon thing. 
Oh, Patreon thing. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, it, it was a Patreon thing, and uh, no, not part of Patreon. Sorry, and sorry, uh, Kickstarter. Sorry. Kickstarter. Yeah. Okay. And uh, Dreams in Gary's Basement. There you go. Ah, okay. And I saw the thriller. I was like, whoa, this guy had an interesting life. And then I started reading about it. And then I started getting the books and getting all the books. Two <laughs> editions, the one with the first covers and this, the second one with the Eastley covers. And I read them through. And uh, I was, wow, I needed more info about it. And then I stumbled onto you guys. <laughs> oh, okay. Wonderful. <laughs> Full circle. That's great. Full circle. My stories are long, but they always come back to, <laughs> to why we're here. And oh, that's, that's great. For the people viewing, sorry for my thick Quebecer accent. It's not that I have uh, three points of intelligence. It's just that my <laughs> pronunciation is really rough for English. I understand everything, but my pronunciation, sometimes I need to pause and <laughs> infiltrate all the information before I can get it out there. <laughs> well, I, I have no problem at all. And, and fortunately, your English is infinitely better than my French. So that's uh, that's wonderful. My We took Spanish in... Uh, Mm. in school here. Yeah, of course. You could take French or Spanish, and I lived in New York City, so uh, unfortunately the population of French was diminutive next to the amount of Spanish, Hispanic people we had. So, I well, so you work at Ubisoft, that's uh, that's great. Um, I've played a number of Ubisoft games, I think they're from uh, the Canada version. Uh, what's, what's some of the games, if you don't mind, that you've uh, worked on? Oh. Uh, well, for 21 years. Um, the more significant one, uh, I remember, okay, let's start from mm, back then. Uh, the more influential ones was Raymond II, Beyond yeah. Evil, The Prince of Persia, Sands of Time trilogy. Wow. Uh, yeah, that, that one was pretty spectacular. Uh, Splinter Cell, the first two, no, first three ones that were done uh, uh, in Montreal and co-opt in uh, Shanghai and other studios uh, around the world. Uh, recently, Far Cry, uh, Far Cry 4, Far Cry Primal, and uh, and I did also a bunch of Assassins, which the last one was uh, Assassin's Odyssey. Odyssey, yes. the Odyssey. For those of you, it's... Uh, for those of you who don't know, Assassin is... Uh, it's kind of like a, a time warp. <laughs> Uh, right, right. Yeah. Period pieces. They, 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 the, the character's the same, but he goes into different uh, periods. Basically. Yeah, basically, yeah, it's the characters from this, uh, this time period that go back using DNA and relive the memories of the ancestors. So, yeah, ah. so we go pretty much, uh, we went to Assassin's uh, uh, the Revolution, the American Revolution, we went to the French Revolution, we went to everywhere, uh, recently Egypt in Origins. Which was a pretty good game, I must admit. That we worked hard on, hard on that one, and it was pretty well made. And Odyssey, I worked a little bit, helped uh, Quebec, because it was the mandate of uh, Ubisoft Quebec. And uh, yeah, so we did uh, a lot of stuff, and um, I'm doing other projects right now, which I can't stay in right, because they not announced yet sorry that's folks right. <laughs> that's okay that's great so uh you know because of your background do you think uh dungeons and dragons influenced uh your creative process in in making video games or was have you used some of the skills or you know, give me your experience with that well quite frankly um there's just i'll answer a question but another question in parallel 
after reading the player's handbook and the dungeon master guide, right. uh, I couldn't believe. Uh, I was reminiscent of uh, the South Park episode when they always said Simpsons did it. Simpsons did it. Well, uh, it was a reference. Well, uh, because uh, every single subject inside the show, the Simpsons already did it because it's been on for so long. Right. Uh, and I was reminiscent of that because everything I read since it was the first time I read it a few years, well, a couple of years back, I said, oh, dear. It's like every single aspect of a video game uh, creation-wise or uh, what we call a, a game design documents, uh, right. everything that a video game you need information on when you're creating one from the designer to the creative director to uh, the artists it's all in there so i was flabbergasted when i saw that because uh, it was like oh my dear lord this guy was ahead of his his time or everybody was influenced one way or the other because of the player's handbook and the dm guide and the monster manual because those are tools that we use in video game creative process we list uh the rules the general uh, feedback for the player uh and for the well dm which is the uh, the editor which is the game engine he feeds all the information so we need rules for that and it's all in there <laughs> and people might say you're exaggerating max but no i'm not actually just read through them and you're gonna see that it's a huge uh, portion of our creative process that it's in there. So we, when newbies come by and my desk is like, well, can can you tell me what can I read to get me started or uh, influence? Uh, I said, I just point because I always got my, my DM, uh, DMG and my handbook on me. So I'm like, read these and come back to me. <laughs> and they said, they say, what? Why? I was like, no, you, you'll understand. The process is going to be in there. So um, everything that's going on everywhere uh, inside the video game business, it's all influenced there. For me personally, what did help me for this, to answer your question, I'm babbling. Let's see. <laughs> uh, no, no worries. <laughs> uh, what influenced me, um, it was more, how do you say, storytelling-wise. Yeah. Uh, to express my different ideas because I work on cameras for games. Cameras, what is it? Is the it's the view that follows the player around. So every time that I use an analogy, it's uh, from Super Mario 64, where yeah. you in, on Nintendo 64, where you see the character with the camera behind and you can control the camera. Well, that's me. <laughs> that's what yeah. I do in the on in my work. So uh, it's more storytelling-wise and how the shots, how the characters um, and the players' um, uh, interactivity with the objects influence the, car the camera's positioning and to tell a story without uh, user input, without them yeah. always orienting themselves in the proper direction, just telling them, hey, this is where you have to go, this is what you have to do, without even having a, a a line of text or UI on the screen. So yeah, that influenced me a lot and communication skills also. <laughs> and I'm a big uh, fan of um, staying true, hard and true. So the first player's handbook uh, that I got um, D&D wise was the second edition. 
all my friends got it in French, but I got it in English. <laughs> so it was a language pla uh, class for me, both uh, to comprehend both uh, the tradition. Tra translation? Yeah, translation-wise. So when I got out my player's handbook and I started reading, everybody on the table was looking left and right, like, what stats are you talking about? And I was like, oh, okay, you know, yeah, this is, uh, you know... Uh, your two-hit uh, bonus. No, no, no. I was like, oh, okay, okay, okay. And uh, that time was Taco. So uh, it was a pretty long name in French. <laughs> I won't say it here. <laughs> so, so, yeah. So that influenced me a lot on communication skills and uh, how to convert ideas because in Ubisoft Montreal, we have both English and French fluent uh, people and both sides have people who don't speak either English or French. So you have to turn mm -hmm. the switch on and off uh, frequently when you're in meetings. Sure. And sometimes you have to translate on your partner's side. It's like, oh, did you understand? No, I didn't. Well, they said da-da-da-da-da. And then you came back and you switch English on. And it's like, okay, what do you want? <laughs> so yeah, that's, uh, that's a lot of influence. And also uh, crunching numbers, which is something that people tend to not uh, associate with uh, uh, gaming, but yeah, that right. influences a lot. Awesome, yeah. So uh, we have our Chamberlain, most uh, you know from our, from Australia, oh. Dave Thompson's on the uh, net. So he was our guest last week. Yeah, uh, he he uh, he said he remembers Final Command on his old Amstrad back in the eighties, which apparently is an Ubisoft game. So. Final uh, oh, <laughs> with the old uh, pink logo, Ubisoft. Uh, yeah, I think I, so. <laughs> I, maybe before your time, huh? So, yeah, that's uh, that's more way before my time. Yeah, I started working <laughs> in '98. Yeah, '98. Okay, so he had a question, and I think it's a good one. D does um, I watch another YouTuber, uh, Matt Coville, who um, he was a designer at Turtle Rock Studios, and he would host D&D games. He was like the lead designer for Evolve uh, oh, yeah. game. Mm -hmm. um, and he used to run D&D at, at, at the studio. Do people play D&D at the studio? Sometimes, yes. Uh, most okay. of the time, no, unfortunately, because uh, people uh, tend to go to uh, out to lunch. But uh, we geeks tend to stick around our desk and uh, read stuff. Uh, at first, yes, we did play a lot. Uh, now there's uh, more people working uh, around the clock. So what happens is that we have um, different... Uh, uh, sorry, it's going to come out. Uh, different... Shifts? Uh, yeah, just different shifts that uh, so people can come in at work at ten o'clock in the morning or seven or uh, at six o'clock in the morning because yeah. I'm an early bird. So uh, sometimes it doesn't coordinate, but uh, yeah, gotcha. sometimes they do have some, but um, not as much as at that time. No, unfortunately yeah. for me, because uh, I would greatly appreciate that uh, if anybody's watching, you know, <laughs> right. Well, and, you know, that's how Dan and I got started. We wanted to uh, play because, you know, after so many years of not playing, um, you know, Dan and his friend Ed took the initiative and started the meetup, which got me involved. And then, you know, that's got the group. So, um, you know, I, I'm, and it, like you said, uh, there's probably a lot of people who have the... Uh, propensity they want to play because they're creative people they like game playing i'm sure there's a bunch of people there just take someone to get them on the same page either doing it in the evening 
and but a lot of people have family expectations. So, um, it, but you know, I'm sure if you build it, they will come. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 there's there's a lot of forums and uh, uh, talking points inside the uh, local uh, intranet uh, website. Right. You have so maybe I can start a, a few game sessions I'll, I'll probably do an osr game first before uh right. handling uh well for me it's uh, it's the granddaddy of them all <laughs> because i don't want to scare people away just you know nut- right. and you know come 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 and see us come and see us play a little bit right. yeah. yeah but it's uh, like here like here request it's you got to get them in. yeah Step in it first. That's exactly. right. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Sorry. See, swishing back and forth in French. No, it's okay. <laughs> uh, so, so are you playing right now? I'm trying. Yeah. Uh, I only have one player, and I, I think I mentioned him once. He was a ranger, and that's why I stumbled upon your, um, uh, your, po- ranger, yeah, your podcast. podcast of rangers. And, oh, gotcha. Yeah. And I remember seeing all the stats that I got wrong. <laughs> So, uh, so like I said, my English is a little bit rusty, but you know. So I re- reread. I was like, no, they're right. This is uh, this is a magnificent uh, uh, class. I uh, I always thought a ranger, you know, secondary class of fighter, you know, because I'm a big fighter fan and paladin. So uh, he, I was like, no, this rangers are pretty cool. So uh, yeah, um, this. Uh, this type of uh, gaming component and all that stuff, uh, I'll I'll try to uh, to incorporate people and get them back in. But uh, yeah, he plays a ranger, and um, we only play like once a month or once every two months. And yeah. and my dwarven forge miniatures are just sitting there waiting to get oh. <laughs> to get uh, placed, and I'm I'm pretty excited. But but I do stuff on the side just to keep me entertained and uh, growing with the hobby like reading rereading the books i'm rereading the second edition right now and uh, i did my own dice tower just for fun nice <laughs> yeah <laughs> do i have i have it here so i can roll dice for the monster uh, uh random monster encounter uh, and all that stuff so yeah it keeps me occupied but i wish we had a little bit more time to, to play. I have four kids. He has three. So, you know. So, what, so what, what ages are they? My kids? Yes. Six, uh, nine, 11, and 17 also. Okay. So that, okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, you're getting to the age where, um, you know, that's that you can, especially if they have that inclination, they, they would want to play. It was, it was about 10... I mean, obviously, your 17-year-old's way old enough, but it was about 10 or 11 when I first tr- tried to give them a stripped-down game. In fact, um, I, I, have my, I have my suggestion for it. In fact, I'm going to pull it out so I don't forget it. But back, I had taken a hiatus, and this, uh, I was a big Diablo 2 fan. Ah. So for those, uh, so here's Diablo 2. Yeah. Right? And, uh, and Diablo, my friends play it. So this is a D&D... Uh, this is a D and D game of it. It's it's like a bastardized third edition, but it's made with little chicks. It's like a very basic entry. It doesn't use the computer, so uh, this will be my suggestion later. But anyway, this is what I used with my kids because it was kind of like a video game meets uh, a video game meets D and D. It's kind of a gateway drug into it. So so uh, it's partially this game system's fault that we had fourth edition then. 
that, that's right. Basically, that's right. Uh, that's people would say that. Yeah, no, because uh, when you said the video gamey, I was like, ah, fourth edition, okay. <laughs> but this yeah, they, looks I, really nice. Yeah, it was about two thousand. Yeah, I'll show. I'll pull it out later when we yeah, do our yeah, suggestion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, interesting. I didn't even know that that they had the Diablo two. Uh, I was too busy probably playing the game Diablo two before noticing it. So yeah. So it was, you know, my kids had, not that they played Diablo 2, but I had friends uh, who played at the same time. So we'll, we'll talk. Uh, yeah, sure. We'll talk more about that in our suggestions. So um, I'm just doing some chatting yeah, here. I said about production goblin. Uh, so let's, uh, I'm going to do some announcements. For those who don't know, GrogCon is coming October 11th through the 13th. Uh, you know, we did survive the storm. We weren't blown away and destroyed. Uh, which is very fortunate. And uh, uh, that I'm very happy about that. So, but I didn't have to work. I work in government, so when, this, when there's problems, you have to do that. I was there uh, Monday and Tuesday, so didn't have much of a weekend, but we're, we're recovering now. But October 11th through the 13th, here in the Orlando area at the Days of Wyndham uh, in Kissimmee, we're going to have uh, lots of games. We're going to have, uh, we'll be running AD&D. I'll be running a Paranoia game. We'll be running uh, Call of Cthulhu. Plus, there'll be 5th edition. Uh, Warhammer 40K will be there. It's a big miniature event. Uh, so it's a lot of fun. Uh, if you're in the Orlando area, we'd love to see you all. So uh, we'll see you there for that. Um, let's see. So uh, and we're, we're getting down to the last five or six weeks. So actually, uh, Dan and I are about... We have decided the uh, tournament module that we wrote for the summer tournament that we did here. Apparently, we are masochists. We're going to not use that one. We're building another module. So, Whoa. Uh, not bad. So we're going to... I guess he wants to... Uh, uh, he wants to do that. So He wants to surprise people. Keep That's right. Up. Yeah. Well, our fear is that we're going to have the same people. You know, again, there's... Uh, when you take the total people who play Dungeons and Dragons, and then you take the people who only play first edition in the Orlando area, it's not tens of thousands. So our concern was the people who played the uh, tournament would be the same ones who'd be showing up, and we didn't want them to feel like, "Well, I already played this." So we've decided that we're going to uh, we're going to uh, just create a, another module. So he sent me the draft. So we're going to be working on that. I'm also going to try to run uh, my paranoia uh, game one more time to play test it. Uh, I've played it. I've done it once, and they'll do it a second time. All right. So this is the fun part of the uh, game uh, show, Max, where we get to roll random dice. You get oh. to roll dice. Oh yeah. So Don't. so uh, without Dan here, I'm going to make up my own chart. So okay. we're going to do a random encounter. Uh, why don't you throw a d10? Yes. We'll figure out where you're good. Where are you going to be? Two. Two. Hey, congratulations. You're in a dungeon. Oh. You fi your fighter finds himself in a dungeon, and so now roll a d10. Another one. Okay. Eight. Eight. Ooh, okay. So now you need to roll a d8 and a d12 and add the result. Uh, d8 and d12. D8 and D12? Yes. 17. 17, okay. Uh, and you said uh, 8 before that, so you have uh, unfortunately ran into a ghost. 
Oh, that is what. That I'm is not good. <laughs> so that's a classic one. Classic uh, in the monster manual. Have you ever encountered a ghost while playing or DMing? No. By the way, did no. you mostly DM or did you mostly play? Um. What I DM'd in the 1990s was, uh, since I was a rabid gamer, was a game called Street Fighter, the storytelling. Oh, Street? <laughs> wow, the Street Fighter RPG. Yeah. Uh, there's a Street Fighter RPG. I, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah uh, it was, uh, since I'm a rat, I'm a, a huge fan of Street Fighter 2. The two yeah. and three, but not four. Um, but uh, yeah, I ran, most of the, my DM time was like this one so it's more based on the white wolf system okay, but yeah. as a gamer i would play mostly on uh, ad and d and another one that's called the dark eye which is le noir <laughs> oh wow dark, uh, wow wonderful yeah so no i'm mostly dming and i never try the ghost because i think you need a magical weapon if i'm not mistaken well, let's look. Let's look that up. We are in the uh, monster manual and page forty-three. Already playing at home. Uh, some of our folks guests. Let's see. Oh, that would be so, David. Yeah, that's a uh, uh, Rust Monsters level four for those who are playing at home, which is in the MM two. Okay, so. What we see here is Monster Manual is very rare. So, of course, we you know, Dan and I are fascinated by the frequency. So, if you look in the beginning of the yep. uh, Monster Manual, frequency says 4% chance. So, that seems about right. And uh, the magic resistance. So, it has special attack, special defense. Um, what's interesting about uh, ghosts are, uh, you know, compared to most players hate... Uh, vampires, specters, wraiths, uh, whites, because they level drain. Uh, and and unless, you're, unless your DM is really playing the game well, which they should, and they should be keeping track of time. Mm -hmm. So for humans, being attacked by a ghost is potentially uh, just as bad or worse, because being aged 10 to 40 years, that's their special attack. Uh, you, know, you go from being a, a young adult or mature to becoming very old and you lose uh, in the in the DMG under age the effects of aging, uh, which I think is page thirty or forty or something to that effect. Uh, you know you will lose a point to point of strength, a, a point of uh, constitution. You gain some wisdom. So for some, it may be good. In fact, um, I used to joke when I would play a uh, like a half elf something. Boy, what I'd like to get a cleric. Even though I couldn't go up too high level, if I could get aged a few years, uh, you know, I could get more. Yeah, if you if you go from mature to old, so if you're a human and you're 24 years old and you get ghosted, uh, you get a ghost attack and it does 40 years, you become 65, you're old. You subtract two points from strength, two points from dexterity, and one point of constitution, and you gain one point of wisdom. Yeah. So, very, very scary stuff. Uh, the, what impresses me is that the hit dice is 10. Yeah. Wow. And it's Heavy. 10 hit dice. You, you've got to... Uh, and, and the way they are uh, portrayed in the Monster Manual is that ghosts are evil. Yeah. Um, and so... And so, you know, that... 
there, this idea of a good spirit really doesn't come till later. So ghosts are of evil humans, and they only spend 25% of their time in their lair, so they're kind of roaming around uh, places of darkness, it says. And because they're ethereal, uh, you know, they, have a, they, have a, they do a touch attack, uh, but the mere sight can uh, cause any human to be aged 10 years and flee for panic. And it's interesting that clerics are above 6-level are immune to this effect, and all the humans above 8-level add plus 2. So this is one of those, uh, just like the mummy, which has a fear aspect, you could have half your party you know, take off and the other half still be there. So immediately you have that challenge. Uh, Cyber Heston's talking about, yeah, we, we had the same thing he, in, in the comments. Uh, yeah, they were addicted to speed, uh, uh, haste spells. And so they would be constantly aging themselves. So as a DM, you, you always had to keep track of people's time because it's like, as soon as the magic user got haste, it'd be dumped. Haste was, in a lot of ways, a better spell than, uh, uh, than you know, Fireball or Lightning Bolt because if your fighters did, got twice as many attacks they'd be, for a number of rounds, that was good. Mm-hmm. What, what else is interesting about the ghosts from I, your perspective? I think uh, the intelligence, high. I would have placed it like some, some sort of a random creature just roaming around, having his memories, right. uh, past memories repeat themselves over and over again, but since he has a high intelligence, well, he's not, yeah, I mean, he, he can go for help if, <laughs> if he wants. Can he attract other ghosts or? Uh, it doesn't say. Number uh, one? It says number appearing one, so basically uh, that's it. Okay. And it has, uh, you know, it has basically two armor classes, so you have... Uh, if you if you're if he's if you somehow have the ability to attack them on the ethereal plane, mm -hmm. their armor class is pretty bad. Yeah. Uh, if you have if you're fighting them in the material plane, you, their armor class is zero, and you have to use silver or magic weapons, as you kind of alluded to. Yeah. Okay, that's why I never place them because they never go so high level to find magical weapons or silver weapons, or buy them. For my players, anyway. But, uh, right. yeah, it's an interesting thing because uh, ghosts are pretty common in, um, in all the other RPGs. And I never thought that it was that complicated or that uh, destructive for a party. Like you said, if you can split the party, it's, it's done for. You, you have your, uh, your fighter uh, going uh, one way and you, you leave the magic user alone with him. Yeah. <laughs> pretty done for the, the 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 challenge with any single bad guy uh, again uh is that the party has multiple attacks what the because the ghost has that ability just like the vampire or the mummy to split the party or change people so the vampire has the charm ability mummy has the fear ability once you start splitting the party around it becomes a fair fight you know, uh, in this case, this is a level eight monster, yeah. so you're you probably uh, uh, have you know four to eight characters, depending on how big your party is, of uh, seventh or eighth level. They should easily take care of this if they're full strength. Mm -hmm. The problem is if half of them run in terror, some of them are weakened, and now you're in trouble. So that's what makes this an interesting uh, thing. The other thing that uh, Ghost does.
which is, uh, you know, when, when you're, once you've gotten past, I call the escape velocity, once you're past fifth or sixth level, your party has access to raise dead, your party has access True. to, because they have money. So dying is not that big a deal. It's annoying. You lose a point of con if you die. Um, you need to have but your check, right? Yes, you have to make your check. Which um, I always but, fail, so, you know. Right. Well, then, well, then in this case, if you're killed by a ghost, you are forever dead. Yeah. doesn't matter. So that's where the oops. Uh, yes, that's another surprise that the poor party has in store, and it's one that should be uh, some of the commenters. This should be yeah a, more of a big bad guy. You know, you shouldn't be just, uh, especially if you're seventh or eighth level, just kind of walking through the forest and you yeah. get a random ghost. Yeah, there's he, that you know it should be the haunted mansion or something yeah. like that or an ancient crypt like that uh, well since we're in so, the dungeon right now that's yeah. appropriate but i always wondered about that if you're in the um, if you roll that but it's daylight outside what happens does it still come out or is it in dark places like if it's inside a forest in a forest yeah does it go from tree to tree or <laughs> that's a pretty right yeah uh, Yeah, is it a thick is it a thick forest where yeah. it kind of recluses itself? Uh, does it get penalties? You know, future later editions they have some uh, mechanics, but in D and D, each monster for the most part kind of stands on its own. And um, yeah, you'd have to adjudicate that. You know, if it was a sunny day in the plains, yeah. why would there be a Hopefully, yeah. why would there but be a ghost <laughs> just floating around? Nothing happens yeah. there, you know. It's really. Oh. Well, there's one more ability that it has, which we didn't talk about. Besides the fear, is the what the magic jar ability. So basically, it can uh, take over another creature. Uh, so magic jar is a six level magic user spell. And if you go into the player's handbook, let's go to that. So see, you're getting the full grog talk experience, yeah. Max. You're going flipping pages and going through books. It's I'm doing your like, work, Jane. Uh, that, that's <laughs> that's right. So, uh, magic jar. Maybe it's is it fifth level or sixth level. Let's see. Oh, I have no idea. I think it may be fifth level. In the player's handbook. Uh, yes. Yeah. Let's see. No, it's not fifth level. It's not sixth level. Fifth level. Uh, So a magic jar, it enables the magic user to take over the mind of the victim and thus control the creature's body. So oh, you know, that's pretty cool. So yeah, so you really have a situation that you can uh, this should be your big bad guy who could kind of come, you know, not attack directly, but get near them within in this case sixty uh, feet. Get you know get near them, try to take over one of the uh, party members. Uh, cause a lot of chaos. This is where, you know, depending on the players that you have, um, are they going to play along with it? You know, that's you know I don't know. Uh, that, that was my next question. Do you let the player uh, tell, them, tell them and say, okay, you're going to play a possessed uh, being? Or uh, is the dungeon master just saying random stuff? Okay, you're moving your head around and you're doing others. Other things, and you don't know what's going on. You have no control over your body, or you know, if you have an experienced player, I think you should let him role play if people like doing role play. 
that's a great opportunity to uh, well I'm gonna leave uh, the party with a big bang <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna you know role play my way uh, until I die basically because I don't know how how long does it get possessed or is it possessed for so the magic jar is special I think what happens is um, I'm sure there's a saving throw and you know kind of like charm person yeah okay uh, so you know uh, your question is a good one. You would hope your players would embrace, uh, again, no player, I've never seen a player go, oh, great, my character is possessed or charmed. This is fun. I get, But some of them will accept that that's part of the game. Yeah. And um, they'll play, and, and it gives them a little bit, it makes their game a little harder, because on the one hand, if they're a good player, they're going to play along. But they also don't want the, themselves killed or the yeah. party killed. So... You know they'll they'll try their best to, you know, follow along with it, or at least not make it so uh, uh, so obvious. I think mature players like the idea of the drama, and they want the big review. Yeah. Uh, and, and and I don't know if my players, uh, the ones I play with, even up to today, are going to be super stoked about betraying the party and and having that. They're 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 more going to be like. Uh, we had a situation where one of our character, one of our players, I don't know, was charmed, and he did what he was supposed to do. You know, he, he was affected by the charm, but you know, he played along, but it wasn't. He didn't have the full gusto uh, of, of it. So, yeah. But yeah, so your choice then is you uh, you basically metagame it and you tell people, uh, you know, uh, James's character. Uh, is, is now acting strange or something like that. <laughs> yeah, uh, and that's why probably it was better for me to have started in uh, the less uh, harmful second edition. Because if, if I would have started in this edition, probably I would scream my head off saying, another character? Come on, I don't want to roll another character every time. Because I do pretty dumb stuff in AD&D. So yeah, yeah. I probably get killed and possessed all the time so i would be like oh come on <laughs> but you have to be well, that's what, but now yeah. in my mature age uh i understand the the mechanic more and why they did it like that and every system uh when you analyze that in every part of your show i understand that every system is intertwined kind of like the fighter that uh, i keep mentioning the fighter yeah uh, last week was pretty incredible. I mean, uh, everything was like, why is the fighter less powerful when he's uh, more mature and level-wise? But uh, you explained it uh, yesterday, uh, last weekend. I was like, hey, this this seems very um, logical. That's a logical step. And uh, everything is intertwined. And I'm pretty sure that <laughs> with everything that's happening inside these books, you can't have everything um uh well in in uh, in in the head uh, of Gary I mean he right. probably had so much to calculate and all that stuff but uh the system that he built all these years I think he managed to intertwine everything so yeah even though that um, fighters and all that stuff and even ghosts at the at one point um it was all perfectly balanced for this type of game, which is survival. <laughs> you want yeah. a treasure, but you need to survive. And the other 
editions is more a fantasy novel uh, exploration and all that stuff. So maybe I wasn't mature enough to do that at the at the time, but now I understand it and I really appreciate this uh, this uh, edition. And I think it's the best one, probably. Yeah, I, I don't. You know, I think they're all. Um, hey. You know, it's just like game game development. Yep. You know, back early on, it was a single developer or one or two people wrote the game, True. and they had their vision, and uh, the games were much simpler. Um, and you know, I there's old a lot of old games I love, and then I, you know, I have a lot of nostalgia for them, and then I pull them up again. Like some of them still hold. Yeah. Uh, there's a game I used to play called Mule, which is an old game. And it was a competitive uh, old multiplayer game. It was uh, economic. You try to screw your neighbor, basically. Still plays great. And then there's other ones like, oh, geez, this is the... this." Once you watch them again, you're like, there's, you know, they, they've not aged well. I, You know, part of this game, any game that's enduring, um, in my opinion, and, you know, we've talked to the various DMs, you have what's called the meta of your group. Yeah. And uh, this was... Uh, Gary's understanding, you know, what makes first edition, it's it's his game. He's the one who crafted based on the things he did previous to that and what he thought the game should be. And just like you do in your professional life, you know, you play test things, yep. you know, you send patches out, uh, oh, that thing is overpowered, this thing doesn't work right, the camera gets doesn't move when it's supposed to, and then people get mad at you, I'm fighting the boss, and uh, the camera doesn't adjust. So there's fixes but then there's changes in style, and I think there's both um, that the game has evolved with here. And different additions changed the, not only the, the rules, but they changed the style of play, like you said, more storytelling. Yeah. You could do storytelling in here, yeah, sure. you could run all kinds of things. Yeah. It just depends on uh, the meta. I think the thrust of this is um, a very deadly game. Yeah. And it rewards, so th when you do succeed, you uh, feel very accomplished. It's more of the Dark Souls yeah. uh, mindset. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's why Dark Souls are always compared to uh, uh, old school games that, you know, oh, you died, hey, uh, go back and <laughs> redo all the stuff that you did before. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, oh, oh that, that type of game, okay. <laughs> and, and, and for me, uh, you know, I, as a bit now in my late 40s, I only usually play video games with my kids. If they're playing, I'll play with them. Yeah. Uh, and I, it's not competitive to me. You know, I'm the I'm the fourth team member of the strike team. I'm the medic or whatever. As long I don't put me in front, you know, make me do something that's simple. <laughs> uh, or you know, like card games or whatever. Uh, I Dark Souls or a game like that has no appeal to me. If there's not, if I can't save. Right where I'm at, and I have to go back to a beginning. That's it. I'm done. I don't have the time for it. But there are people who love that. They just yeah. that's gaming to them. Hardcore, you know, instant death. Got to start over. Great. But yeah. for video games and video games at that time, role playing games were how do you say? I was emotionally attached to my characters, even though right. that I you know. But in a video game, you die. So at that time, a Dark Soul when I was in my teens. I wouldn't mind it. I would relish the challenge. But now, like you said, we have other uh, stuff going on in our lives. Uh, whether it's family or work or uh, whatever. 
you you need to uh, do all. Yeah, exactly. That's right. This, yeah, the, yeah. Escaping the dungeon, as David Thompson says, that's what it's all about. Yeah. With treasure, and you you don't know how many people were in this. There may have been twenty five people in this party with retainers, and only three get out. So. Um, that's a, a, a yeah. spiffing image of a victory for for the people. Uh, and when you see that image, you say, oh, okay, I get it. I, I get it now. But this is what it's all about. And uh, yeah. it's pretty difficult to uh, advance, you know, when, when every time I read, the, oh, you can be a lord uh, and you can have your own mansion or whatever. It's like, I'm never going to go there. <laughs> it's like, I'm going to read it for fun, but my character is never going to survive. <laughs> But eventually, you know, if, this, if you have the same DM and your group will get a style, yeah. um, you know, like Vic's group, when he's talked about his group, they, they start understanding the type of gameplay. And I, I, when I've watched other people or played in other games, it's hard if it's a one-off, but you'll, you'll eventually know, okay, Max is going to have this trap. This door is always going to be trapped. That's, he always, you know, it's, you're going to have a style of every, every fifth treasure is a mimic or whatever. And so... As long as you reward your players for doing things right occasionally, yeah, you want to trip them up every once yep. in a while so that they don't get too predictable. Um, but it's that push and pull, and eventually that you will. There, there's the, it's that push and pull between the players and the DM coming up with the game that they want, mm. where um, the DM sets the table of the game that they want to present. The players accept that world and they react to it. Uh, that gives the DM feedback, and they're both happy. And yes, characters die, and that's part of this first edition too. It's it's the thrill of yeah. You remember when uh, like we were playing in our game where they're trying to assault the fire giants, and the half orc fighter was getting frustrated with how because they were spending an hour trying to figure out how they're going to get in and be sneaky, and he basically just Leroy Jenkins in. He said, and at the end of the battle. They four trolls were playing, you know, drawing and quartering him, and it was a memorable thing. He wasn't too upset because yeah. he decided. Yeah. Uh, uh, with that, yeah, I know. So yes, Vic says he's he's never predictable as a DM. Yeah, you're <laughs> besides being deadly. Yeah, you're predictable by being deadly. Um, yeah. So if if I had yeah, him that, as a DM at that time, I would have said, well, I'm just gonna re-roll like five or six characters beforehand so I won't waste anybody's time so <laughs> but it but it's fun if you're dying like incompre incomprehensible deaths that you did yeah. once is like this is pretty cool though <laughs> well, sometimes we feel that way and so. and the the DMs here on this channel and all that the the fans they seem to have individual um, styles but they're all awesome. I mean, every time they explained it, I was like, wow, I wish I had a DM like that. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, well, I think, and I think that's part of it too. Go ahead, Dan. Uh, go ahead, No, Max. no, no. Uh, uh, even though my DM was, uh, was wonderful, I mean, he wasn't uh, fantastic. He did a fantastic job, especially when we were just all three of us trying to plow against the, the rules and all that stuff. We didn't have, you know, the luxury of having information that our fingertips, like, like this and sometimes the translation also in French was not exactly the same as in English I need to point out uh, maybe sure. it's the 2.5 edition would they rectified it 
But uh, sometimes I said, no, this is, means this in English, but he's, and then he points out, no, in the French edition, it means that. I was like, yeah, the, the twist of the, of, uh, the line sometimes, you said, well, uh, can go back and forth. So, yeah, so we did what we had, but uh, yeah, all the DMs here are, are wonderful <laughs> and they all have their unique styles. And uh, I wish I could go to Florida. And there's a message for all you guys, if you're in the Florida area, Go to GrogCon. I mean, I wish I could go. I'm not in the same country. <laughs> uh, yeah, we, you know, this is fortunately we're in Orlando, which is you know it's a pretty uh, uh, good destination. So hopefully one day, Max, we'd love to have you. Yeah. Again, you you're you are you have the same uh, invitation that we've given to Carlos yeah. and to Vic. You are that you coming into our area. Let us know. We will set you up, and we'd be happy to I'll have you here. I'll drop the kids off at Disney World in another. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, okay, so now we're ready for spell selection. Yeah. Uh, so this the way we do this: you roll percentiles, and let me know if you roll above a seventy. Above a seven. Percent. Yeah, above seventy. Yep. Yeah, so. Oh, eleven. Okay, so you you have a. Uh, the uh, you, this is a magic user's type spell, a uh, scroll or spell. So we roll percentages again because we're going to see if it's illusionist. We were speaking of seven, seven, <laughs> seven. Oh, so it's illusionist. Okay, great. So uh, roll a d eight. A d eight. This is in honor of Dan. He would be happy it's an illusionist spell. So sorry, Dan. It's me who has the honor too. That's two. Okay, so now roll a d12. And nine. Nine. Today's uh, is actually a magic user spell as well. It's magic mouth. Magic, magic mouth is the, is the spell of the day. Let's see, today's spell. Mouth. So that's, that's a second level uh, magic user spell. Yes. And one of the uh, one of the uh, modules I just went through in in John's game, DM John, uh, who I'm playing tonight with, uh, the uh, uh, secret what is it? The sinister secret of Salt Marsh. I forgot what it's called. The Salt Marsh. Uh, the U one. Uh, there's a monster. There's one of the bad guys who puts magic mouths everywhere. So. We're on page 71 of the player's handbook. Yeah. I miss it. Yeah, that's, that's right. So um, so what you could do, what's interesting, is the duration is special. Uh, and, and you can basically can be set on an object and speaks when the spellcaster is part of the occurrence of a specific event. So, you know, it's very... Uh, it's very, you know, back to you, Max, and your work. It's very, you know, it's an event-driven uh, thing, right? Yeah. Something yeah. you you open the door, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. You trigger it. And what's fun about this is you can have uh, what we say, uh, if you don't want to have NPCs all the time, like, why is he, uh, this character, standing in front of a dungeon, and he, if you speak the magic words of the, the riddle, what is he immortal? No, no, no. You just place magic mouth, and you know. That's what I understand, right. if I understand correctly. 
So yeah. it's just funny because yeah. it says the command could be as specific or general. Speak only when an octogenarian female human carrying a sack of grope clusters sits cross-legged within one feet. I mean, what a weird specificity that he puts in here. Just... Uh, <laughs> yeah, but, well, at least he got the example uh, right on. So you know, it's like, okay, yeah, true, okay. The perfect, I can use it. Uh, there And uh, a message of 25 words or less... Yeah. That so you know it's it's a it's a brief saying, um, and what I also like about it is it also does not distinguish between invisible creatures, alignments, level or dice class, except by external guard. Mm -hmm. So, you know, this could be a way potentially to use it again, warding yourself um, against. You could cast magic mouth as a guard. You know, because again, it doesn't doesn't know if the character the creature is invisible. Oh, that's perfect. But you got right. uh, yeah, that's pretty creepy for the. Um, so it's a level two one. Yes, level two. So you'd have to be a third level magic user yeah. or a third level illusionist. And let's. So uh, I'm going to see if there's any difference between the second level magic mouth for illusionist and the second level. Uh, magic. I think they're exactly the same, but sometimes the casting time or uh, some of the other things may be a little different. Let's mm. see. Magic mouth. Okay, two. Uh, it's special, special one object. VSM. Nope, it's exactly the same. Oh, there's no, there's no difference between the magic mouth of. Uh, magic user, or so have you used a, a magic mouth? Um, nope, at all. <laughs> nope, but I yeah. but the the, the imagination is stirring now, <laughs> so uh, yeah, that that's pretty cool actually. That's a really nice spell. And can you, uh, is is the DM allowed to uh, uh maybe your your expertise can uh, can uh, can tell me about some stuff like that? Can you have the magic mouth be kind of like an arm system? Sure. Yeah. That's oh. exactly how it's used yeah. by a lot of folks. Yeah. So in, in the module that uh, DM John is uh, playing in, uh, when you open the door, it, uh, you you the there's a booming ghostly voice. They, we're we're going through this old house uh, that's on top of a sea cliff and looking off on the ocean, and. Whoever is there, I don't want to spoil it. Not that anyone mm. can't look up U1, but that's well. uh, right. Just in case, someone may have not actually been through it. Uh, the, the people who are there, you find that there's uh, ghostly apparitions and these type of things. And if uh, when we try to go down the, the cellar to uh, the basement, um, when we open the cellar doors, this booming wailing uh, uh, voice came and communicated things to try to basically, uh, you know, get out, kind of, don't come in. I would use that in so many different, uh, because I'm a kind of a wacky DM normally, I use uh, many times uh, stuff like that to uh, just having a, a light sense of humor. I would, I would probably imitate a voice of a character or a special um, uh, a person or uh, a comedian <laughs> to, to mimic. Right. Yeah. That, that yeah. Great. <laughs>
So, uh, and if I recall, um, so, but what happens is once the spell, uh, once it is done, it, it, it will stay on there until the triggering event happens. Mm. So at that point, uh, it also can't be used to cast spells, which would be super ultra cool, but apparently you can't do that. Uh, but what you can do, if I remember correctly, is if you cast permanence, I think you can cast permanence, yes. On it? You can cast permanence on it, wow. and then... Okay. But that so, so so then it would be permanently yeah. there. It always loops. <laughs> right, it basically is a loop. Yeah, every time the door opens, yeah. it's you know, it says welcome to you know, the dungeon or whatever. Yeah, you're going to die kind of thing. And it just goes over and over again. <laughs> and if I remember correctly, um, in Two Mahars there's a couple of them like that. And you're wondering what's going on. But if you don't have knowledge like myself, I don't have knowledge as extended as you guys. So if I would do something like that as a player, I was like, oh, this is creepy, or we should go back, or uh, go back to get some other provisions or something like that, because this is kind of... Right. Yeah. Oh. And you can use it as a DM to warn the players, you know, hey, uh, if you turn right, you're going to have a lot of trouble. Turn left. <laughs> just, well, well, that's right. Just, just telling There's you. all kinds of things. There's all kinds of ways you can use that. So, because I use uh, warnings before they die. Like, if they do something really silly, so many times I'm like, are you sure you want to do that? Like the the old meme that's circulating. Are you sure you want to do that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah okay, okay. So, uh, are you sure you want to roll dice? <laughs> so, yeah. When I have normally one or two warnings saying, you know, you're going to do something that that's really dumb. But uh, I know that normally you should just probably let it go. It's like, ah, you know. <laughs> you're gonna die, so whatever. Or you're gonna get uh, have a, a trap, or you know, run face to face with a black dragon or something. <laughs> which I well, very good. Yeah, which which of course is never a good thing. Yeah, black, black dragons are, are can be rough if you're low level. They're they're yeah. I uh, I speaking of experience, I did once have that in my one of my games. Well, well, this is this is a good. Uh, uh, this is a good a uh, segue into our in memoriam segment. So um, you sent me your character. Yeah, true. Uh, One and so maybe you can tell you about your character. I, you sent me his goldenrod uh, sheet, yeah. and you know, as and so Max, for those who don't know, is is a patron of, of ours, or Dan and I, and, and part of his benefits is he can. Uh, tell us about one of his characters, and we will post it on our website, which we'll, I'll do this weekend. So, uh, Max, uh, you send us your character. You can give us a quick... Uh, true, true. Well, it, uh, Give us a thing about it. Yeah, um, which is uh, an NPC that I always use since... Oh, always uh, okay. add characters since my uh, player... In the past few months, it's only one player, so I, right. he needs help, you know. And sometimes to nudge him in the right direction because he gets haywire and he loves roleplay. He uses a half orc right now, so he plays it to a T. So it's pretty fabulous. But sometimes you need, you know, just, just calm down and go this way instead of uh, that way. But I always uh, have a bunch of NPCs that he can encounters along the way if he survives. And this one is a fighter, um, and we're playing in the Forgotten Realms. 
Uh, I don't. I okay. recently rereading the Forgotten Realms uh, first edition, and uh, there's a bunch of stuff like that. Um, and what he has is that he, well, the player doesn't know that, but he died uh, suddenly with I think it was a Dark Stalker. Uh, okay, Dark Stalker. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, what happens is that the Dark Stalker when he. Uh, when he perishes, I think he explodes in, uh, in one okay. form or the other. Let me see the Fiend Folio. Fiend Folio? Yeah, Fiend Folio, okay, yeah. Uh, Dark Stalker, wonderful. Yeah, I think so. It's. Uh, da, 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 da. D, 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 I'm Page 23. You're 23. fast. Damn. Yeah. This is, well, I, this is all we do for seven months is flip pages. So, you know, a... <laughs> yeah, uh, because he, he uh, uh, beat a bunch of uh, Dark Creepers, and then okay, uh, yeah. uh, he was able to get through, and there was a Dark Stalker there, and uh, what happens is that if I'm not mistaken... Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I see it. Yeah, if, yeah kill the Dark Stalker explodes. Ahead. Three dice fireball. So what happened? Right. That, yeah, he, he was in front of the everybody. Well, his character and the other ones, and he got most of it. So yeah, but but he's still in the party. So that's a surprise for him. He said, "Well, he, he doesn't watch internet, so don't worry. I won't spoil uh, it." Okay. But he's he keeps following the, the the character around. He thinks he healed himself and all that stuff, but there's something wrong with him. So you know, he's dead, but he's you know still around. So <laughs> he'll he'll notice something weird. So that's why when we uh, saw the ghost and position, I was like, ah, that's a pretty neat trick. I could. There you go. Yeah. yeah, that would be good. Yeah. That would be really. Good. So yeah, he died. Well, it, it's my first character creation on one E. So you know, then right. uh, I love it. And it, it, it's I made him kill himself. I was like, oh well, how he would play it? Well, he would hit him. He doesn't know, you know. So right, exactly. <laughs> so he yeah. would not. Yeah, and I think that's the advantage. Um, you know, un unlike a lot of folks who played, uh, you know, you've been playing the game 25, 30, 35 years. Uh, you start understanding these. You you know the creatures and. It's, it's a challenge with the metagaming. So it's nice when you don't have that kind of, you're coming in with fresh eyes, mm. and you're exactly right. How would they how would they know about that? And that's always a perennial tension. Um, it's the same thing if I go, uh, I play one of your games, or play a, a, you know Skyrim or whatever. Yeah, I could go online and go through the walkthrough and figure it out, or, mm. um, or play it as it's supposed to be, as the, as the creators intended it. Um, both ways are fine. It's just you know what experience do you want to have, and I don't, and I don't think you know as as a DM I don't have an issue with people metagaming as long as they do it in a way that doesn't ruin the fun for others. Yep. So if you and I were playing, and I knew that a dark stalker explodes, yeah, I, I should just say, hey Max, uh, don't don't hit it or else uh, you know it'll blow up like a three hit dice fireball. <laughs> Perhaps my character could say, "I've heard these creatures have a, a, a powerful effect. Um, they they have evil magic that when they are about to die, they take those with us, or something like that. At least True. try to put it into the game. True. So it doesn't sound so, you know, lame. Yeah, but the at least the the three dice fireball uh, is it? It's kind of like so. It's a 
radius thing? Well, it, you know, it's not clear in here, but yeah. you would definitely... Since it's it, a fireball, it right. because I, I blew up also the the uh, well the dark creepers that were surrounding it also. Sure. So it was, it was yeah, it was heroic by his side because the other creatures surrounding it were dead since it was a tight corridor. But uh, <laughs> he he got most of it, so you know. Yeah, and I and again without it, it being explicit, the radius because it said it's equal to a three hit dice fireball. I would rule that as that's the fireball. Uh, right, and that's a that's a forty uh, yeah. a twenty foot radius, if I remember correctly. So it's forty feet across. So that's a substantial amount of damage. You know, this is a level four. It says creature. So you know you're between second and fourth level, and you ju all just got, you know, between three and 18 hit points of damage uh, with minus a save. Yeah, 20-foot 20, 20 radius here. Yeah. So... And for my, uh, for, for, for my defense, it's the player character who said, oh, go explore down the corridor here, and I'll stay here in the backup. So since he's a half-orc, he said, you know, if something comes in, I'll hack and slash them, and while... So he's the one who controls the NPCs uh, while playing his character at at one point. But I'm I'm kind of like the uh, the arbitrator or the the person of the, the the NPCs. So I was like, oh yeah, I know what's going on there. So I'm like, okay, sure, okay, I'll go there. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, it was a fierce battle. But you know, he lost. So. Yeah, and that happens, yeah. uh, well, especially with one player. It's really hard. Yeah. You got one player. You can make it work. Uh, it, it, generally, it's uh, if you got a really good player, which I have. It's it. It doesn't matter, quite frankly, because he knows the drill and he knows how I role play and how I DM. So uh, you know, it goes well uh, either side. So yeah, absolutely. And and again, part of you know we're getting in the comments. There's ways to help the players if you want, especially uh, you know you, if you have a magic user or someone who's versed in arcane or mm -hmm. special creatures, they could maybe make a role, or you could just tell them, yeah, this is you, you've heard the legend of this uh, creature, so you can give them some idea. You know, again, it's so fascinating. You're in the the game design business, and you mentioned. Uh, so much of that is uh, the skills you learn yep. in D&D are transferable. It's when do you give a clue? Do you punish players who don't, you know, they ignore all the text, they just go right to the quest. Ah, blah, blah. You know, they're pressing A on the briefing. They're not even listening. <laughs> a, 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 Which we need you know. to do something else for these type of players because there are right. a lot of them that they don't... Uh, normally when they say in the reviews, ah, that's a good story, it's about nine, what twenty percent of people who followed it. You know, right. yeah, those they no. I want to go to, from point A to point B. That's it. That's right. what my challenge is. So, yeah, good yeah. point. Good point. A a a a a. Enter, 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 enter. Anyway, I don't care about your lore. I don't care about. And uh, you know, so again, everything you uh, you know have uh, uh, unlike uh, game making, where you have an unknown audience, a multitude of people you're here here. You're storytelling for the six or, you know, between yeah. the four and six people, or in your case, the one or three people, and you can tailor it, and you can be dynamic. You know, if they're really interested in the lore, great, give them more lore. If they're like, I don't care, I want to get kill orcs, 
you know, stop telling them about in the fourth yep. age, uh, you know, King Vervius second son on on his mother's of the, uh, the third wife did this no one cares uh, <laughs> right i can't you can't uh yeah uh, so okay great so that's that uh i appreciate that and i will post your character on our in memoriam page so people can see that yeah uh so now we are in our word of recall segment which uh we're doing our playing with class series and so max has graciously come out and we are on the Paladin. Yes, indeed. Uh, so the Paladin is a, is the first subclass of fighter. We, last week we talked about the fighter with uh, our Chamberlain, David Thompson, from Australia. We had a great conversation. And so today we're going to talk about the Paladin. is the first subclass, uh, uh, which, again, is... It, uh, you know, I, I personally have a lot of affinity for the Paladin. I think uh, the Paladin's great. So, uh, Max, uh, have you played a Paladin before? What do you know about it? And we'll start with that. I haven't played a Paladin, but one of my um, uh, players, um, when I was a player also, uh, played one. And um, I was a thief. <laughs> Oops. So uh, ah. that didn't mix well. But a Paladin... I really, really do enjoy is just that people tend to, as you mentioned, I think in uh, your podcast before, they're they're good to a fault, but people are tending to play them a little bit naive and s silly because they're too good, too goody two shoes. But a paladin is basically a how can I describe it? A holy knight. That's that's it. That's a holy knight and paladin. Uh, is uh, by definition also correctly if I'm wrong, everybody on the net, but uh, it's um, wandering knight also. So that's why you always uh, they mention stuff about the paladin always alone and uh, not have uh, any uh, you know uh, any characters uh, following him. Uh, not not NPC, not PCs, but. Uh, how do you say them in English? Oh, sorry. Right. Uh, retainers or followers. Exactly. Thank you. And yeah. the image in the player's handbook is perfectly, from uh, Sutherland, is perfectly uh, illustrated, I think. Uh, oh, yes, that's right. Hell. The uh, yeah. Paladin in Hell. That's right. That's perfect. Uh, yeah, that's the which, one. Which, which we, uh, you know, that may be a spoiler for our tournament. Uh, we've talked about the module we, we want to run. we uh, Dan is working on it, so um, that is one way to play it. Kind of the lone yeah. uh, avatar, you know, holy fighter, the you know, almost the 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 Sir Galahad who goes off on his own after all the other knights of the Round Table are uh, are you know lo lose the quest for the Holy Grail. Um, the the I think what's interesting, just like the fighter, like we talked about last week. There's this idea, depending on how people have played it, mm. wherever we play, and that becomes sealed with it. Uh, but there's definitely latitude. The, oh, yeah. the rules allow the rules allow uh, you know for for you that for the paladin to have henchmen. Um, you know they don't they don't they don't get a uh, body of men at arms, and they're not probably going to build uh, a stronghold per se. But you could also allow that, um, 
you know, they may be aligned with a holy order. Yeah. Uh, Knight Templars were uh, right. a basic example of, uh, yeah. That's, that's a good example of one. So let's just, uh, you know, I think um, there, the, the, the experience I've seen with the Paladin kind of end up with people play the Paladin because they're very powerful at first level. Uh, they have a lot of abilities that are very useful. You know, the ability to detect evil we'll talk about. Uh, they make saving throws at plus two per dice. Mm -hmm. So fighters generally have very poor saving throws at early level. So that kind of evens the playing field. Uh, they are immune to all forms of disease. They have, they can heal themselves at two hit points per level. Um, they can cure disease, which again, cure disease is a fourth level cleric spell. Uh, they have protection from evil just emanating from them. Uh, there's just a lot of... And then as they progress in level, you get some really cool things. Like they can turn undead, which, again, if you listen to our cleric uh, session, you wouldn't have heard about turning undead. So I'll have to explain it real quick. Turning undead is the power of your deity, the, the player, the character's deity, uh, whether good or evil, in this case good, can repel... Uh, undead based on the level of the, uh, the the character, and you know you make a roll almost like a to hit, and uh, based on your level, you have the ability to affect certain undead. The higher level you are, the, the, the uh, better than uh, the better chance you have. Mm -hmm. So you know they're basically a combination of a fighter and a cleric, uh, but you're not paying that much premium for the experience. I mean, it's definitely a premium. Uh, to go to second levels, twenty-seven yeah. fifty-one. That's that's one of the uh, downfalls, I think. It, it's a it's a huge step. I mean, for but uh, but it, playing it, the paladin. I mean, I mean, playing the paladin must be a lot of fun because you're doing basically uh, your deity's work, and right. uh, you're his right hand. You're his might. You know, you 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 want to do what's right, what's uh, lawful, what's good. Because he's lawful good, and I, I would play one immediately, but I never got the stats for it <laughs> because it's pretty huge. Because you know, charisma seventeen, that's a lot of a, that's a for a beginning. But at least you, uh, I think you can uh, progress your fighter to go uh, to that class if he's lawful good, right? If you progress enough, the fighter. And you have wishes that you um, you can gain <clears throat> the the necessary stats. I think you can probably go as a paladin if you uh, get a, a mentor or something. Right? Am, am I right or? Um, or I think so. Or you yeah. need to be you know created that way, and <laughs> that the character needs to be created that way. Which say that again? Or, or, sorry, I was typing. A yeah, bit. no problem. Uh, I was wondering if the fighter can evolve to a paladin. So, well, it depends what rules you use. I think in, in first edition, um, you know, we don't have this kind of zero level to first level. You become a first level player. Yeah. And you are you start out as a paladin, and the only thing you can do is go backwards. So yeah, you fall from I, grace. That's as I was wondering because if you can go backwards, because if he does something evil, and he he goes back, uh, he, he goes from paladin to fighter. I was wondering if fighter could go to paladin if he does everything good. 
Uh, I've not seen it that way, uh, but you could rule that as the DM. I yeah, think I mean, yeah, but I was wondering if in the rules about it, because, yeah, like you mentioned, you, you can go a downfall from the Paladin, but you can't yeah. uh, have a fighter that goes good, 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 has wishes and gets his taps up, and then he says, hey, I want to be a first-level Paladin. I want to... I don't think that's mentioned anywhere. Yeah, I, I, what, I think the only way legally you could do that, which would be really weird, is you dual class. Yeah, that's what I was just about to say. Oh. David Thompson got, got me to it. So you could, if you had the stats or you got the stats, so let's say you started as a fighter. Yeah. And, um, you know, fighter stats are basically, you need a minimum strength of nine, a constitution of seven. But let's say you didn't have the wisdom for it. Yeah. Then you earned the wisdom and you had all the other stats. You could, uh, do, because humans, they're the only people who could uh, dual, dual class, yeah. you could then, if you were lawful good, you could become a, uh, a, a paladin at that point. That would be the way I would do it. And finally, humans get don't get the short end of the stick right now because they're the only people who can go to paladins. In, in this book, in the first edition book, so... Yeah. There's the, the book that shall not be named. Oh, yeah. That's uh, yeah. So that also talks about the zero level. So in the book that shall not be named, um, there is because pal uh, paladins are a subclass of the cavalier. And oh. the idea of it being a, a, you know, a noble uh, fighter. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, we, we don't use that word. No. Uh, no. Uh, that I understand, so, yeah. So uh, Vic say he said the, the name of the book that shall not be named. And in the Cavalier class, you actually start at level zero, and you have X, a number of experience points before you become level one. Okay. So there's these, these kind of under levels that you go through. I should get that uh, book and see what difference. <laughs> yeah. Do you break up the book? <laughs> right. I don't, have, I don't have a problem with the book. I, I think the, the problem becomes... There's a lot of, and we've talked about it, we've talked yeah. about it with Vic, we've talked about it with David, we've talked about it with everyone. There's things in it that you'd like the players to have as long as you understand how that changes the game. Yeah. But then there are other things that may not fit with your game, and it's, you know, to me it's like Oriental Adventures or some of these other things. Just because it's in a codified book doesn't mean the DM has to say it's part of their game. Yeah. You know, it's the same problem you would have with, uh, you know, I, I, want, I have this idea for a campaign. I want to do this. I think this is... Do you want to play? Yes. Oh, I want to be an elf cavalier. No, there are no elf cavaliers. Why not? You know, uh, well, but in the book that shall not be named, yeah. you can be an elf cavalier. Okay, but uh, I understand your uh, principle because I really enjoyed this, uh, this system in its entirety. And I think, like you said, it's all intertwined. So it all works together. But if you add some special uh, rules, like Oriental Adventures or whatever, I think, yeah, it could break uh, the game, uh, it, your current campaign. Yeah. Start a new campaign. You just, if, if, if you're using those, right. start a new campaign. <laughs> or, or do uh, I, you know, something I'm looking into doing is, uh, because I inherited the campaign, Yeah. my new campaign may only be for six or seven sessions. And I may just let, if it's in a published book, Knock yourself out. We're in a cosmopolitan city, you know, basically the New York or London or Paris of D&D. &D. Everything's available. Knock yourself out. As long as it's in a published book, 
you could do it. You want to be a drow, a cleric, a assassin, whatever, great, don't care. Because we're not going to play this for three years where I got to deal with it. We'll have fun, get it out of our systems. It's kind of like when people want to play evil characters. Uh, yeah. I don't think most people want to play evil characters all the time. No. They just want to play it, get it out of their system, True. Uh, and do that. So, the, yep. the Paladin, one of the things that I remember, you know, when I first got this book, we talked about the holy sword. I'm like, yeah. there's a holy sword just for the Paladin? Yeah. That's amazing. And they can get a war horse. They can summon. This is crazy. Yeah. You know, everyone else is kind of, meh. Cleric, the first one you read, eh, it's okay. Cast spells, healing, that's good. Druid, meh. Fighter, I get. I know that. All of a sudden, and of yeah. course, you think, it's it doesn't, as a player, being whatever, 10 years old or 11 when I first got this book, I'm like, oh, fourth level, I'll get my horse. Holy sword, I'll get it fifth level. It doesn't say that, but it's like, oh, I'm going to get a plus five holy... It does, and Because it doesn't say what plus it is. It just says it's a holy sword. And the DMG would later yeah. tell you it's a holy Avenger. I'm like, yeah. oh. So I think I told my DM, who of course was not much older than me. I think he was a year or two older. I'm like, okay, I'm fifth level. Where's my... Where, how did I get my holy sword? And he looked at me like I was... Uh, had a third eye or something. <laughs> yeah, the holy Avenger, not... It's not even the cool... It's... It's not just a cool title, but all the stuff that's going on. It could be right. a, a campaign on its own to get it, kind of like a, right. a, the uh, the song. It should it should be the, it, the, absolutely. Yeah, the sword in the stone type of thing, and you're right. you're uh, uh, referencing uh, Legend of Zelda here, the Master Sword. Right. You know, yeah. <laughs> basically, what well, is the Master Sword? Basically, uh, from Legend of Zelda for you new, new gamers of D and D. And, and, and that's where, um, you know, that's that's one of the things that's a lot of times DMs, because especially if you have a campaign where you are um, having to prepare every yeah. week or every two weeks, you can get into a grind uh, uh, because, and so sometimes these opportunities to really make a, a, a quest or, a, you know, almost a mini campaign to your point, you... You know, because you're berated by your players. Yeah. It's like, oh, we're underpowered, or we need this, or we need that. Uh, you, you forget these opportunities. Uh, you know, so some examples are, you know, some people in the comments, yeah, this could be a mini campaign. You know, you hear about these legends. Or, you know, you know a great evil is you're going to have to deal with in a few levels. Again, you don't know the idea of levels, but you know there's this dark force that you're going to have to deal with at some point. And the prophecy says you have to, uh, you will need this weapon uh, from your deity to do that. Uh, you know, I, I've, uh, in the campaign I'm running, uh, where again I have this dwarf paladin and everyone's screaming because it's, it's blasphemy, but I inherited from Dan. <laughs> Thanks, Dan. Uh, uh, you know, he, the, the character's like, well, yeah, we, you know, we're going to have to go into the, Underdark, all these chaotic evil creatures. Boy, a holy a holy adventure would be great. Uh, yeah, but, but his character his character uses hammers, so he wants a, a holy avenger dwarven hammer kind of thing. That's what I was I was gonna say. Is like, yeah, but if they use hammers, or does the holy avenger is it is it one hand? It's is it two hands? Well, it, 
the well, it, what it, it does not say, the Holy Avenger in the DMG, if I recall, yeah. it does not specify the type of, no. so you'd have to roll it randomly. It could be a Holy Sword Sword. It doesn't feel right. You think like it should be a bastard sword or a giant weapon, but or a broadsword, or as our David Thompson, our friend, likes to have, uh, most likely it's a long sword, yeah. because 70% of all magic swords are, are okay. that. Yeah, because, uh, again, uh, the book that shall not be named, it's a Pandora box. Because like you said, he's yeah. like, oh, you're a, a dwarf paladin. Okay, sure. But if you roll uh, that it's a long sword, and dwarves normally cannot wield uh, no, not, I mean a bastard sword or a two-handed sword, right. but dwarves cannot wield those, right? Right. So you need to change exactly. the rules again. <laughs> so. Yep. And so what I would argue, and I, I think I talked about this, uh, I may have talked about this in the, another podcast, but again, the idea of this, so I think, you know, so we talked about some of the bonuses it has. Let me yep. finish up some of it. So those are the cool things. Now here's some of the not cool things. Uh, first of all, they can only have 10 magic items. Yep. They can have one arm, suit of armor, one shield, four weapons, and four other magic items. Mm -hmm. And you think 10, that seems to be a lot. Well, uh, if you play what I'll call the normal AD&D, it's very easy to get tons of magic items. You know, it's all, again, back to the Diablo thing. Yeah. You just get tons and tons of these things. And so it's very easy to do that. Uh, they are not to retain wealth. Yeah. They only keep themselves and their... Uh, I guess they can build a small castle uh, But how do you, if you want to do it. How do you get as much gold as possible when you have to give away all your... <laughs> can you keep that, that gold for building a safe house or a castle or whatever? Because if you need to get back uh, to... Well, give this amount, the exceed amount, you can never save up, right? Well, that's right. I mean, that's that's one of the challenges with, this is, besides the cleric and the druid, uh, you know, the cleric is probably there, but St. Paladin is one of those where you have the immediate tension between, potential tension, between the DM and the player. Unlike the magic user, you know, if they want to cast a fireball in a village and burn everyone down, um, there's in-game repercussions and, and you're going to have to build a story mm. that the outlaws are going to come kill you or the, the king is going to kill yeah. you. Here, you're going to constantly have to deal with, you know, that I, you, again, that's a great example of you, uh, you're the player, hey, we just got 5,000 gold pieces. Okay, I, yes, I understand I have to immediately tie 10% of my income yeah. to the church or whatever religious institution you can't give it to another. You can't give it to the player character's cleric who's in the party, uh, but um, so they so. But you you know, let's say the player says, "Well, yeah, I want to maintain a small castle. So can I keep that?" You go, "Well, you don't have a small castle now. Well, I want to build it later." Yeah. No, that doesn't sound right. And so you have a lot of these things as a DM. You're going to have to deal with that. You don't have to deal with with a thief or a magic user, or more of these other classes. And that can get pretty, uh, that's, that can get uh, in good situations with the other players, I mean, uh, not players, but player characters, which is if you have uh, someone who, uh, he, he's good, but he loves gold, he wants to, uh, you know, uh, get a good life out of it, and he sees the paladin just giving it away, 
It's like, give it to me then. <laughs> right. Can he right. give it to exactly. one of his party members? Probably no. not. No, no. No, he, he, his, his idea is, uh, you know, the way it's perceived here, uh, the traditional way is, you know, they are, they are the, uh, you know, they're the holy fighters yeah. of their religion. Yeah. And they would only give that money to promote the deity that, of their choice. They wouldn't be giving it to their player characters, that's even it. though it may help them. And that's another tension. Um, it's fun. You know, you, you, what? It's so your like character fun, needs to go, yeah, your, your character needs to go up in level. Yeah. Um, I have extra money, let's say, because yeah. I'm a paladin. It's taking me forever to go up in levels. And, um, you know, that's another thing. You know, if, if, do, they, do, they to, do they have to give all their money away? Well, if they yeah. do, then they won't have money to train. Well, that doesn't make sense. They're going to keep, they're going to hold on to the money. But let's say they have extra money. Uh, you need money to train or you need some armor. Hey, I appreciate that, but no, I'm not giving that to you. You're going to have to uh, get it yourself. Your God, if your God's so great, he should provide for you. My God is great. So oh, that wow. kind of uh, thing. Change religion. <laughs> right. Well, that's, well, but that's, that's really part and parcel to it. I, when I was younger, we didn't really put the 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 uh, we we just focused on the holy fighter. Yeah. But the, whether he was a uh, paladin of Thor, we didn't really lean into that. It was just more of yeah, he's got to be a good guy. He does good things. But they should be you know zealots. Yeah. They should be completely fully engaged in that because they're the they're the tip of the spear yeah. of their deity uh, of that. Yeah. Which again. As you said, you could blend yourself into the lawful stupid kind of thing, where you're just, yay, to, my death is glorified for my god, and then you know, you're know you ripping up your first level character. Yeah, but I mean, it, when you play it right, you, it must be so much fun uh, to play a paladin. I mean, it, you don't play it like a... How can I say it? Don't play it like someone who didn't get an education. I mean... He's he's got seventeen charisma. I mean, he he got around and he had help from people uh, getting where he is right now in his class. So uh, to play it, the the best example of a paladin very very wasted is a video game called uh, probably the viewers know about it. Uh, Iron and Blood. It was the Warriors of Ravenloft. It was a three D fighting game on PlayStation One. And, oh wow! Okay. And the paladin there was so silly, and uh, well, all the characters were silly. I mean, a spoiler ahead. Um, you fight against uh, Strad, Strad van Zarabe, oh, yeah, sure. and uh, yeah. at the end, the, the way it finishes up, Strad forgets what time it is, and the sun comes up. And you're like, what, Strad? <laughs> so every character played like a, a dumb version of the character, and the paladin there was such a uh, wow, just just a, ca a caricature. Of, yeah, of yeah, a caricature. Yeah, perfectly. Yeah. So that's why I, when you play it well, it must be awesome. But if you play it uh, well, play it a little bit more on the side of uh, of comedy, then you get your Iron and Bloods type of character. <laughs> yeah, and and so um, you know, part of part of that uh, being a pal because I've I've only finished so personally. You get all these cool abilities, but you have to give your money away. Yep. You, you, you've got to deal with that. Then, here's the thing that I've seen most uh, games um, most games don't force this, which is 
Paladins will have henchmen of lawful good alignment and none other. Mm -hmm. They will only associate with characters of good alignment. Paladins can join a company of adventurers which contain non-evil neutrals only for the single adventure. And in some end which will further the cause of lawful good is purpose. So, I've played for 35 years. I think I've seen that done once. Because, again, it's, it's session zero. You guys are getting together. Uh, you have your friend, there's you, and I say, okay, uh, your, what's your friend's name, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, Cassette? Christian. Cassette? Christian. Christian. Ah, okay, so what, I'm going to be a thief. Okay, great. And yep. then you say, I want to be a paladin. Well, now we already have potentially a problem. Now he could be a good yep. thief, and we've talked about that. Yep. And uh, he, but the DM was able to uh, intertwine that for one adventure. And uh, yeah. I was um, when when you got a skill for DM, you can you know incorporate the storyline with at least for one adventure, and sure. that's what he did. It was a, a competition of uh, uh, saying who, who the next champions of uh, the the crown will be, and everybody from around the kingdom, the warriors were all teaming up, teams of two, and of course we were the two left. Behind, so okay, you two, you're you get the signs. I was like, oh, so we're obligated to be with uh, uh, with, with uh, each other, and uh, the paladin, well, the player character played his paladin's like, no, this is an outrage. He's, he, I saw him stealing stuff. He, he, I can't play with the, but for the benefit of the cause, the greater cause, the greater good, he said, okay, right. for once, I'll do my stuff. So, so yeah. for one adventure, it's fun. At least you you get this chance to do it right, and uh, then you know you you part your separate ways after that. What what you do? One of the characters retired. Retired. Right. Well, that's it. I mean, that's what it comes down to. Or you have this situation where, um, you know, you you don't know the alignment of people. Again, we'll talk about detect evil in just a second. Yeah. But uh, you know, how unless they unless their actions were overt. You know, maybe the thief is hiding his alignment for a while, but yeah. eventually the DM has to decide, are they going to follow this rule or they're not going to follow this rule? Because if you have a large group, um, they are going to, uh, there's going to be that moment where there's going to be a party member who is neutral alignment. Again, Druid is an example. Uh, you know, magic users may or may not be, you know, of course they can be anyone. Some player characters wouldn't want to play a neutral character. They don't want to play the good guy. They don't want to necessarily be the evil guy. Um, but, you know, you, you can't have a party, in theory, with a druid and a paladin mm. for more than one adventure. True. And it also says, and only if it's for some end which will further the cause of lawful good. You could infer that, um, and then the last one says, if possible, paladins will take service or form alliance with lawful good characters whether players or not who are clerics or fighters. So you could infer that really the only time, you know, part of it is, you know, why is this paladin going into the dungeon to, you know, to get treasure? That's, that doesn't, that's really doesn't make any sense. So you, you're, you're potentially restricting the type of adventures yeah. that you have. And so I think people, when they see the first part, they go, oh, this is super cool. They don't read the second part. It's kind of like when you're, uh, you know, well, you little, turned little the text. page, you know. <laughs> right. Yeah, you didn't turn the page on that. Sorry. That's right. So that's why people just say, oh, there's cool art right there. It finishes there. All right. 
Yeah, but turn the page. There are other stuff in the <laughs> the other side. Yeah. So so one of the big skills, which of course is overly abused, is the detect evil. Because um, you know when I first saw this when I was a kid, they uh, they could detect evil at sixty foot radius as often as desired, but that's where we stopped. Yeah. We always stop at the comma. We mm -hmm. don't continue. So first adventure. They remember that. They're standing in front of the guy who's the quest giver. Um, and the paladin goes, I want to detect evil. So <laughs> there's there's a couple of problems with that. Do you uh, Are you aware of the problems? Or have you had that experience? And, and how, how have you dealt with that? Uh, myself, no. Because I never had, a, as a DM, I never had a player character. Was paled oh, because pal, yeah. rolled there was rolled stats below, so and they never. That's why I, I asked the question uh, last time because uh, if you can evolve to a paladin, but um, no. As for the other quests, when I was playing as a thief and the other uh, person, Christian, was playing um, a paladin, that was second edition. So probably it's different second edition from first edition. But if it was first edition, uh, it would have been. Like one shot, one deal uh, for right. one. But uh, eventually, after the the first adventure, um, my teeth got in more, say, less less evil and more good because he was influenced a little bit, and also because you know we wanted to keep our characters. <laughs> so yeah, he did to, exactly. No, to, uh, so I I put a little uh, water in my wine. I said, okay, I I'm gonna go a little bit more to the good side. To uh, to accommodate, but we had a lot of fun. I mean, with that that quest lasted uh, years and years. But uh, it was second edition, so I think it's more like I don't know if there's as much restriction on the paddle than in the second edition than the first. Well, yeah, I think there's definitely changes to it. You know, some of the uh, you know even in the Dragon magazines at the time, yeah, they allowed you know Paladin was lawful good, mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and in Dragon Thirty Six. They talk about the anti-paladin, uh, uh, which it yeah. So, which is the chaotic evil version mm -hmm. of it, who's powerful but cowardly and is cruel and everything else. So, you, you can read about the anti-paladin, and then in uh, Dragon One Hundred Six, if I remember correctly, or One Hundred Eight, uh, they came out with a paladin for every alignment. Oh, really? Uh, okay. Yeah. So. In, in the book that shall not be named, they are still just the one archetype, which is the lawful good one. But, uh, I, again, I have the second edition books. So I've never, I think I played one or, once or twice back in the day. Uh, I don't know if they allow for the multiple versions. I don't think so, but I'm. it's been right. too off. That's why I was reading, reading back uh, a while back. I was uh, rereading uh, them uh, to get uh, more info, but I'm not there yet, so, you know. Oh, uh, and by the way, sorry, my main man cave has a lot of water pipes, and you hear yeah. the washing machine, so if you hear a lot of noise on my end, it's the washing machine. Sorry about that. <laughs> I just I just thought people were waking up and using the toilet, so that's, no, that's, that's okay, true. too. <laughs> no, that's a washing machine. Sorry about that. <laughs> um, so, the, so with Detect Evil, they, they always want to go around and Detect Evil and, and not uh, uh, be, they want to be sneaky. Because again, here's a paladin, virtuous, right? A holy knight has a chivalrous code, and, and that's enforced in the book that should not be named. 
but they always want to be like, all right, I'm talking to Max, I want to detect evil, without him noticing. Uh, it yeah. says here, well, there's two issues with that. So one is, it says they have to concentrate, and as we've talked about before, concentration is not just a five-second thing. It's at least a round. Uh, for some concentrations, it could be up to ten minutes, depending on what you're doing, but I would say it's a round, which means they're concentrating. They're not doing anything else. They're not still talking and uh, this. And then when you go into... Uh, detect evil is a very interesting uh, thing. You've got the player's handbook definition from the cleric's first level spell, which is pretty broad, but if you go into the uh, DMG, which is kind of the cold shower of Dungeons and Dragons, because <laughs> the player's handbook makes it sound great. Yeah. Oh, we can do this and that. And then you go into it. So under detection of evil and or good on page 60, um, it says it, the, when you're doing detect evil or good, uh, exactly. Oh. Uh, uh, so it says the characters who are strongly aligned do not strain from their faith, and a relatively high level might radiate evil or good. So you know if it's if you're trying to detect the thief at first level if he's evil, um, that's that's not going to work, and you should not yeah. allow that. This is for people who are listening to this podcast. The way detect evil works for the paladin, it's meant to be a great evil. Oh, uh, oh! Uh, I'm sorry. I need to just check on my kids. The, the the they're screaming. I'll be right back. One minute. Okay. Sorry about that. Sounds that. good. Hey. No. It's uh, it ha it's happening right now. I'm, it's it's live. It's live TV. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So I'm so I'm here by myself now, folks. Anyway, so when Max is doing that, so when you detect evil. You have to concentrate for a round, which in first edition is one minute, and you have to, uh, it, it's not going to give you all the information that the players want, which, like with a lot of things, there's a tension between what they want and what they don't want. But one of the other funny stories that we had from our recent campaign was it will give you the level of evil, which again, is it, uh, I think in the player's handbook, it talks about, you know, whether it's moderate evil, the, the or, or I'm sorry, that's in the uh, DMG under the spell explanations. I'm back. Sorry it, about that. Yeah, it's okay. you know, ah, it's no problem. Four kids in the house. That's what happens. <laughs> that's right. I get it. That's why I have I only have one left. So uh, <laughs> they've grown up and gotten out. So I was just talking more about detect evil. So we were there was a funny story in, in one of our games where uh, I was playing a paladin. Uh, it was, I inherited the paladin. Um, and in the spell explanation on page 41, uh, so, so quick background. Uh, we were playing the B2, Keep of the Borderlands. We're playing um, uh, the Caves of Chaos. I've, I've run the Caves of Chaos at least 10 times for various people. I know it inside out. <laughs> I, sh I show up. I want to play in this game. They say, oh, great. Welcome to the group. I they ask me, do I want to roll a character? No, no. You guys are playing. I'll just give me a character. I said, okay, this guy made a character. He's gone. He's It's a paladin. Great. I'll play the paladin. Where, where do we play? B2. Keep on the borderlands. I'm like, okay, great. Uh, I, uh, I'm like, I'm going to not say anything no. to anything. 
So where are we? Oh, we're in cave uh, K, which I think is in the back. It's the hard. It's got all the bad creatures in it. Where the and and just as I get there, the party had ended. They are looking down and they see this ancient door, and uh, it looks like a crypt, which I know is spoiler. It's uh uh it's the whites in there. Oh. Okay. So. I, of course, I can't tell them that. No. I don't want to say, hey, everyone, there's a white in there. We don't have... Oh, by the way, more metagaming. Uh, you can't de uh, defeat a white except for turning because we didn't have a magical weapon. You can only hit them if you have a magical weapon. Yeah. None of the party had a magical weapon. So this is a disaster about to happen. Uh, were you a paladin um, at that time? I'm sorry? Were you a paladin at that time? Yes, I, I, I took another character. I took a character that had been rolled by another player who stopped playing. Yeah. I'm playing the Paladin. So I decide I'm going to detect evil in the, you know, towards the door. And hopefully, the part that, you know, it'll come back with this tremendous evil. So I'll say, oh, we don't want to go in there. We're low level yeah. characters. So, so this way I don't tell people, hey, there's a white. Uh -huh. We don't have magic weapons. We're going to die. <laughs> so, Dan, so Dan looks it up. Because he's, you know, he's he had not DM'd a lot. So he looks up in page 41, and it says detect evil for first level spells. Basic, basically, the degree of evil and its general nature. So he's kind of sitting there going, hmm, is it fate, moderate, strong, or overwhelming? So he says, oh, it's a moderate evil. And we're all like, I'm like, moderate evil? I, again, I know it's a white. They're like, oh, moderate evil. That can't be that bad. That moderate's not too bad. It's not it's horrible. It's pretty low on the scale compared to faint, moderate, strong, or overwhelming. It's level two. Yeah. So by me detecting evil, that actually made the party want to go in there. It's yeah. like, oh, we can handle a moderate evil. Then, of course, it's a disaster. Uh, my, the character gets le my character gets level drained. Another one gets level drained. We're zero level. Um... And so later I go, Dan, how'd you come up with moderate evil? It's a white. It would kill us all. You know, this is a powerful creature for us first-level characters. He said, well, on the grand scheme of things, right, from an arch devil, Asmodeus, to a skeleton, yeah, yeah. it's kind of in the middle. I said, yeah, but for us, it's might as well be Asmodeus. We oh, couldn't okay. handle it. So, okay. uh so, wait, so you have to decide, is this relative evil or absolute evil. So yes, on the absolute scale, it's moderate. On the relative to us, it was super powerful. So anyway, that's... Okay, so okay. Is, oh, okay, so that's how... I, oh, okay. I would have got... Yeah, I would have probably did the same error. Probably error. Well, I mean, it's not really an error. It's no. just... It's different scales. It's like, you know, if I told you, you know, we're driving 55, yeah. are we driving kilometers or miles, yeah, right? True. It's a huge difference. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah, I'm not... Yeah, my... Yeah, that, that. Oh, gee. Okay. <laughs> but it's, it's, so every time we talk about modern evil, that's where that came from. Because you know, one man's uh, uh, not too evil is super evil. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Depending on the level of the characters and how many were you in the party? Oh, there was about six of oh, us. And, but, okay. Yeah, there was. Uh, well, we've run. I've run groups with now ten or twelve. Uh, Vic has huge groups over there. So. You know, there's players out there, Max. You just need to, yep. uh, you got to find time find between time. four kids. Yeah. I get it. That's always the challenge. So, Detect Evil is a great, 
power, but like with a lot of things, you have to kind of uh, limit it. So, uh, the problem, of course, with paladins is they are what they are. They're, they're lawful good. They, you know, we have this idea they should follow a code. Mm-hmm. Again, the idea of Sir Galahad, this holy knight on a quest. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they, they're here to vanquish evil. And again, one of my big takeaways for people who are playing this, if you don't uh, provide a pantheon of deities for them to follow, this be, then you're dealing with another challenge that the player and the DM have is this moral relativism. So okay. the story of, and I'm, you know, uh, oh yes, and protection from evil, super powerful. So they have protection from evil 10 foot radius. So uh, protection from evil in first edition it uh, the play uh, anything that's evil you it gets minus two to your armor class, and you get a bonus to save if I remember correctly. Protection from evil, uh, and it's equal to a third level spell, third level cleric spell. So they have a third level cleric spell on all the time. They don't have to do anything for it. There's a lot of uh, balance. That's what I like about the paladin. Yeah, you have all these cool stuff, but you know. You need to counterbalance everything. Oh, I'm sorry. But it's fourth level spell. Fourth? Fourth? Okay. Is it fourth? Yeah, it's fourth level spell. My okay. apologies. So you have a lot of bonuses for the, well, you know, counterbalances. I mean, you get a lot, well, you got some negativity, but you got so much stuff going on that, you know, you're rewarded in some way for all that. Uh... Right. You Well... As long as you, as long as you do it, yeah. And also, late, late. yeah, plus, plus two to saves. If you, if for instance, uh, yeah, third level magic user stuff, fourth level cleric, which doesn't make any sense. You would think it would be the opposite. Um, it also protects you against summoned creatures. So we had a a, a, a situation or in the game I'm running. My son, who now has a ninth level wiz, uh, wizard magic user, wow. Cast uh, uh, an earth elemental sounds great, but uh, every round there's an opportunity for the uh, creature to go berserk, lose control, okay. and want to attack attack yeah. the summoner yeah, instantly. Yeah. So if you have protection from evil on, or you have a magic circle, they can't get to you, even though they're the super powerful uh, creature. So protection from evil, very powerful. Oh, perfect. Okay. Um, you see, but you that know, I didn't, I, I didn't. Uh, uh, grass, but that's a good way. But it does it protect the evil from everybody in the the surrounding areas, or just yourself? Well, like the, like the, the wizard, first... if he's near you, is he is he okay? Or if if it's if it's if it's within ten feet, feet. of you, yeah, okay. For for the for the paladin spell. Perfect. Now there yeah. is a protection from evil, which is a just it literally goes around your person, yeah. not protect other people. Okay, directly. perfect for for him though. Okay. But and it only prevents physical attack. In other words, the creature can't grab you. Yeah. There's a barrier. But if they have a fireball or have some other way to attack you, uh, okay, they can they can do that. Perfect. Okay. They, they can't physically touch you. Yeah. If, as long as you're in the in, in the protection. Oh, okay. So that's what makes protection from ten foot radius for the paladin that he emanates so powerful. Basically, everyone hugs around him. <laughs> they get minus two to their armor class, and they get plus two to saves. Uh, or and they're protected from devils and demons, yep. anything that's summoned like that. So very powerful. Um, you know, if they have high strength, they're great fighters. But you know, they have a lot of restrictions. And 
if you have an antagonistic DM or a DM who's going to really try to play this, I call it right, you know, hold them to the street, yeah. you get these moral dilemmas mm -hmm. that other characters don't have. Uh, you know, the Cobol babies, as an example. Now, I rule uh, Cobols and orcs and goblins, they are unredeemable creatures. They are not uh, products of their environment that can be raised and be happy. You know, they're, they're sharks. Sharks eat. They, they're not going to be vegetarians. Sharks are sharks. They eat meat. That's what they do. They can't become vegetarians. Uh, now, if in your game, you could make them, uh, you know, where they're a product of the environment. Well, then slaughtering innocent children is a problem. Yeah. Uh, you know, s slaughtering uh, prisoners in an inhumane way yeah. without a trial all, is a yeah. problem. Yeah. And uh, all these little transgressions because... If you have a serious derivation, you will be stripped of your paladinhood, and you become a normal fighter. And, yeah. And but so that's a huge deal. You keep your uh, your, uh, your your abilities, right? Your strength. Yeah. Yeah. Ex except you lose all your advantage advantages. Yeah. Right. Okay. And you could and you could argue now again if you were uh, if you were a mean DM, you could argue that they're they're a normal fighter, but they still have to use the paladin experience table. That would be a jerk move. Oh, that that's harsh. <laughs> right, right. They're penalized for that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so you, I, you know, what I've seen, uh, Max, is you get the you get the paladin who's the jerk character. You know, the lawful stupid, like you talked about. Oh, I, I uh, like using that term, but there's nothing else that comes to mind. I mean, that's right. uh, that's why people are tend to leave the paladin, be, uh, paladin behind, but I find them so cool, because, first of all, they're in the fighter branch, so I like fighters, and uh, they have a bunch of advantages, and it's a pretty good way to start role-playing. If you have a good role-player that has a Decent fix on ideas and grasp yeah. the, and grasp the, the the mythology of uh, where uh, of this character. I mean, and he's Dinty. I mean, that's that's perfect. I mean, that, I would so have liked to play that, but like I say, my roles for my abilities never never showed any uh, any sign of being a paladin. Well, and I think um, the way I've I mean I've been drawn to paladins because the diff you know. We, at least, I hope we tend to think of ourselves as good people. Generally, we, we follow the rule, right? We follow the rules. We live in society, but we are powerless in many ways to do something about injustices. So, you can play a, a really play a character who leans into that, and, but then there are these moral quandaries, and that's what makes it fun. Yeah. Um, what are you going to do when there's a price to pay? Mm -hmm. And and but then the DM, if he's a sadist. He's just, you know, like some of the DMs that <clears throat> that come on this uh, bit, uh, some of uh, they're going to put in moral quandaries, like, you know, do you save the children, but they're going to cause the party to be attacked more by the orcs because, what? you know, they're slowed down uh, with that, those type of things. And and a good DM is going to put you in those moral quandaries of of that. That's perfect. Yeah. 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 Uh, um, so, you know, that's the event. But you also get the, the, the paladin, the player, 
who's kind of a, a, a annoying or a jerk, and just like the thief who steals from each of the party members, yeah. going, well, that's my character. Yeah. Uh, always points their finger. Always, hey, you did that. Yeah. Uh, you know, the paladin goes, yeah, I'm, uh, you know, the, the party's trying to sneak into an area, and the paladin goes, you know, for glory and honor, and he just goes in and, you know, announces to the thing, we're here to lay siege or whatever, and they're like, what are you doing? We're going to get slaughtered. Hey, I'm just playing my character, kind of thing. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, that's the that's the thing. You, you need to counterbalance, or both, both uh, DM and player needs to be, or have just a, a little small talk before the the campaign starts, you know. Right. To to accommodate everybody's character and uh, to have a, a decent feel of everything, and also warn the other players. Also, you know, he's a paladin. Da da da. Maybe you don't know, uh, but the paladin is. That's well. I don't know. It, would it be better if the player wouldn't know <laughs> what a paladin, a paladin yeah. does? And you get surprised uh, every time, or should you metagame and say, "Hey, you know, that's what a paladin is beforehand," so they then don't get a surprise and they don't get frustrated about the, the other player. Well, I think um, yeah. I mean, people should know what. I mean, again, it's 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 a player's guy. Your character, your character is going to know what a paladin is, or at least the idea of a holy warrior. Mm -hmm. They may not know. True. The holy warrior for Thor yeah. or Ari, not Ares, uh, Thor. Thor is Thor may not be lawful good. He may be kind of good. Uh, you know, Probably. whoever. The, I don't have the the uh, the deities. Here's the deities and demigods. So you, know, you yeah. pick a pick a random lawful good uh, <laughs> deity here. That uh, I don't have that book. <laughs> yeah, you know, So a uh, Vishnu that would be kind of cool, right? You have an Indian deity, Vishnu, god of mercy and light, lawful good. You know. Assuming in your milieu, people know, uh, uh, you know, that, well, that's right, Vic, call like, that's, that is my name. Uh, Vic is calling me a coward, which is true. Uh, I, uh, I am a coward. My character, well, my characters are coward, uh, cowards. But, you know, if it, you're, you're, the players would know that, you know, assuming they're in the world and they've seen Vishnu, the god, they would know the type of holy fighters yeah. that he would True. That they that the deity would have, um, I I think you know you don't want to have surprises for that, and I think the the thing that we didn't do in the past that I would encourage DMs and the thing is get sit with your players, make sure they understand their deity, flesh out their deity. Yeah. What are the tenets? What are the tenets of your deity when it comes to honor? Mm -hmm. um, so that you're not making the arbitrary. You're letting as as vic as a vicism. They're signing their own death warrants. Yeah. You know, let them come up with their code. And when they violate the code, it's not you arbitrarily making a code of honor. They're the ones doing it. And unfortunately, if you, um, most people don't want to put that much time into their characters. They just want to show up and play. Yeah, true. But what happens, uh, one of the best things about AD&D is this chart right here. You yes, that's right. Yeah. Classic. That's, that's so, all so, that again. I mean... Just so look those, at it, and you're, you you know what's going on. And yeah. I love the, the the aspects of alignment and all that stuff. That's why probably the paladin always intrigued me, because they're the ones that say, you know, you have to be like this, otherwise your bonuses, are, well, your your advantages are, are are down. 
So right. that's why I'm interested in the, in them. Well, and, and what uh, Max is talking about on page 119 yep. of the Players' Sorry Handbook. About that. The, uh, the, well, because we do a podcast yep. as well of this. So uh, in the Players' Handbook, the, the character alignment graph True. is uh, what, you know, you should be having those conversations. Yep. Uh, that uh, people understand that. And, and I think those are what make the game... There were What's interesting is back in the day, there were mechanics that forced storytelling, and eventually it led to the additions that promoted storytelling. Yeah, true. The game forces the storytelling. You have the moral quandary, and you force uh, the paladin to make tough decisions. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas now you have players who come for story first, but then they sometimes forget yep. the game aspect yep. of it. True. Which, which, you know, I'm still part of the... I, I like role-playing with the R-O-L-E, yep. but I primarily want to play a game. R-O-L-L. I yep. want to roll dice yep. and kill orcs, get treasure, and have a story that's interesting. Not sit around and, and um, create a, a, a fiction that's not based in some groundwork together. It's it, it is a game after all. I mean, you gotta have right. you gotta be involved and not sitting around saying, "Well, of course you got many players in your uh, in your group." That's why sometimes maybe people people can tend to go, "Well, you know, I don't." And, and there are people who want to storytell, and there's and you know, and I would argue that's okay. There, yeah, also absolutely, and there are game systems that support that better than yeah, this, than AD and D first edition. Yeah. Uh, Agree. And so, you know, and I've played some of them, and they're a lot of fun. You know, Paranoia is, a, is kind of a, an old-school example. The rules are almost irrelevant. You're basically trying to backstab each other and <laughs> kill each other in weird and crazy ways. It's really a storytelling event and even promotes, uh, hey, do something dramatic. Dramatic is way better than tactical yeah. combat. And, okay. and, and wonderful. That's There's, there's a lot of... Uh, James, this is why you give the prologue to the adventure before the actual gameplay. Absolutely, yeah. You uh, couching this and knowing your players again. I think that's yep. the greatest advice uh, that, in my experience, and and uh, Vic has said this, and David said this, and Dan said this. Know your players. Mm-hmm. If your players are hack and slashers, they want to play Diablo, but they want to play it with their friends. True. Don't give them, you know, political intrigue. They're gonna, they're gonna, it's gonna drive them. Crazy. Yeah, everyone reads and understands at different rates. Everyone's got different things. Yep. So, anything else about the palette that you wanted to talk about, Max, uh, and your research? Since, since I'm a newbie in this uh, game system, uh, no, I think uh, we... Well, I personally got in all my questions, and you answered them, every every single one of them. So, that's good for me, anyways. I don't know if you... Uh, there's so much to talk about, probably, that I don't know about. Because I'm uh, rereading everything. Uh, every time I finish a book, I reread it again. So yeah. for the phrasing and all that stuff, and intertwining uh, the player's handbook with the uh, dungeon master guide. So, yeah. Well, wonderful. Okay, so uh, we're now on our next part, which is our suggestion uh, yeah. segment. And before we, uh, so uh, Max, do you have a suggestion for this week? 
It all depends if you like moody uh, stuff uh, in your adventures. Me, I really... Yeah, sounds good. I'm really enjoying... Um, how do you say? Um, uh, having mu background music. Okay. In my adventure, uh, adventures. And since I'm a, a Ravenloft uh, enthusiast, uh, sure. um, there's a composer for uh, that works well for Call of Tulu and uh, more morbid uh, settings. Uh, he's called uh, Graham Plowman. I hope I don't butcher his name. Graham Paul, uh, Plowman. And he does fantastic music. Um, the latest album, The Great Old Ones. Uh, oh, wow. It's, uh, it's a very nice ambience music for dungeon and battle, for creepy uh, stuff. And that's good for we had a random encounter for a ghost. It would have been fit perfectly for uh, those kind of... Oh. So, yeah, that's my suggestion. Uh, look it up. Uh, he's on iTunes, uh, YouTube. Uh, uh, okay. He's a great composer, and I really enjoy him. Really enjoy the stuff. Can, can you send me the link, an email, and I'll, yeah, sure. uh, I'll, post, I'll post it on the show notes. Sure. That would be great. Perfect. I'll do that uh, this weekend, no problem. Okay, great. So uh, my suggestion, was you kind of alluded to, yeah. <laughs> is, Which I'm uh, again... If you, I'm, I'm sorry, Max. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> I want to know. I want to know. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, we talked about, uh, you know, especially for those of us who are fortunate to have children and, um, you know, when they get older, yeah. they can, they can take part in the hobbies that you grew up with. And again, I'm very fortunate that the production goblin, Nico, he, when he has time, he plays fifth edition. I'm glad he plays fifth edition. That's, you know, everyone should have their game. Uh, you know, this game is, we want it to continue, and if there's a 10th edition, that's wonderful. And 5th edition will have a, a place in his heart, because that's the one he, he played with. Um, and so, uh, David, Graham Plowman? Is, uh, what's, what's that about, David? Is that, what you, is that what the one he's talking about? Yeah, Graham Plowman, yeah. Yeah, Graham Plowman. W-M-A-N. Yeah, perfect. Thank you, Max. So, um, but, you know, it's very daunting to give a six-year-old, you know, eight, eight hard copy books and go, okay, we're going to play D&D. So this came out in, uh, I think, the year 1999 or 2000. Wow. And I was at, at the bookstore, and I saw this. I'm like, oh, cool. This combines Diablo. So those who don't know, Diablo and Diablo 2 and Diablo 3 are, are classic uh, fetching D&D dungeon crawl games mm -hmm. where you assume a character uh, initially with a single player, but there's a multiplayer, and it has this uh, 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 much copied uh, magic item generation system that adds a bunch of flavor. Oh, uh, no, uh, just one second. Continue. I'll be right back. There's another emergency. <laughs> sure. So, uh, for those who don't know, so, they, so back in 1999 or 2000, they came out with this box set, which is kind of like a starter set, called the uh, Dungeons & Dragons Diablo II Adventure Game. And it strips the game down to, um, you have these predefined character sheets, which I'm showing up here. They have predefined characters. And it's very simple. It gives you the basics. It has the five, six stats, the, what you need to hit, what you need to roll. Is very simplified rules, 
has a rules book, it has a quest book, I'm showing them on the screen, and it has these tiles, and it has these little chits for uh, monsters. And basically what you do is you lay out a starting tile, and you put your players there, and as they go to the end of the tile where there's a door, it randomly generates the dungeon, and it, it has, uh, once you go through a certain amount of rooms, it uh, tells you who the boss is at the end. So I'm just kind of showing the stuff back. No, no, no problem. And it's, and it's a good, uh, so for instance, um, this tile has three little red indicators. So this would be if you're in quest three, um, you know you have to put three, uh, whatever, little rats or whatever, and they would attack the party. So it gives you all the basics of D&D, the idea of adventuring, you have a character, you play a role, and it's a good, uh, it's also a story that's very compelling, the Diablo story is very compelling, and so um, it gives you a nice gateway drug into <laughs> that. And I'm sure there's copies on eBay. Um, there's also newer versions of this, meaning uh, the D&D the, the, uh, the uh, Temple of Elemental Evil uh, against the Giants. Against the Giants, uh, Wizards of the Coast have come out with newer versions, yeah. uh, box sets yeah, yeah. that have miniatures. Uh -huh. So it's that's the, neither of these are that one is less D&D than this. This at least has a character sheet. And it gives you wow. uh, who you are. So in this case, you're a sorceress, yeah. which is, again, not a class from D&D, but it's a class from uh, Diablo. And it tells you, it's, it has all the basic stats, and it tells you how to roll an attack. Yeah, how, of you know, how to cast spells. Yeah. So it gives the player everything they need to know on one little chart. I'll show it for my people here. Yeah. And... Um, it has little boxes, so it shows what spells you have, and when you cast a spell, you put a checkbox on it. And oh, perfect. Very, yeah, so it's a nice way for, and also to, you know, one of the most daunting things about, as, as you mentioned, Max, is not only having players who are comfortable, but also if you've never DM'd before. There's all these rules you got to figure yeah. stuff out. This makes it very simple to do that. Perfect. So, uh, I, if you want to get a little old school, it. try it. I'll definitely check that out because, uh, yeah, there's a bunch of uh, role-playing games that are aimed for kids. But if you get something that they know, like Diablo, because they saw you play or they know right. about them because of their friends, that's a plus. So, they, they're probably going to go more uh, a stepping stone dead there. So, yeah, perfect. That's, that's right. And... Yeah. yeah. So they have also Stranger Things. I've seen the box set for that. So there's, <laughs> yeah. there's you know, whatever tie-in is going to help your uh, group get into role-playing, that's what that I would suggest. Yeah. But I've used this. This is a lot of fun. Um, you can get at least 20 hours of uh, gameplay out of that's it. That's perfect. And then you can kind of say, great, um, it, it, you know, and it's like any of the starter sets, you know, if you spend 20 bucks and people go, meh, then, you know, you haven't spent a whole investment. Yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. I hope they try, uh, they, they have it uh, digital download, if not physical, at least, you know. Yeah, I think there's some people have scanned it. It's, you know, the challenge with this version, uh, 
is then you have to cut out all the tiles because yeah. it's a tile generated thing. Um, so it, I've seen them online. They're not super expensive on eBay, but I haven't checked recently. Uh, no. I think they may have been 30 bucks or something. So again, some version of that is good. Every time you have a suggestion here, I need, ah, uh, I got to shell off more money. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, great. Well, I hope they failed their save. I hope they failed their save on the uh, mood music because I think there is a place for that. I've, um, if you like that I sort of thing. No, I, I definitely do. Don't I, I mean think it works. People, uh, people around, yeah. Um, I think people expect that nowadays. Oh, okay. You know, the difference is, um, you know, I, I, well, I should say that. If people are on the internet and, the, and their only experience is watching people online play D&D, which again, to me, is very odd. I, I'd rather <laughs> play D&D. But people like watching people play D&D. Um, so... Uh, they they expect the dark lights yeah. and the moodiness and the ambiance. Perfect, and, yeah, and true. So I think that's a great suggestion. The the I I use Roll Twenty, which is an online tool I've I've played with, and it allows for you know depending on what map you yeah. put, it, it'll play a soundtrack. It's just more housekeeping. That's true. the only problem. Yeah. It, so it'd be nice to have just something. Uh, a drive through RPG for digital downloads. Yep. Yeah, that thank you, Vic. Uh, so there may be. Uh, more stuff to buy. <laughs> That's right. More stuff to no. buy. So, um, so I think we're almost about done. I do want to give a shout out to uh, our good friend Carlos and his wife uh, Amanda. They are struggling with some health issues. Uh, Carlos reached out to Dan. Uh, Amanda's having a, a, an illness. I don't want to go over what specifically, but if you can. Keep them in your thoughts and think about them. And maybe if they're on social media, give them a shout out. Wish them well as they go through uh, the next phase of their life yeah. where they have to deal oh. with some uh, health issues. Uh, very sad news. Um, so we wish them the best. We pray that uh, things will go well. And um, hopefully they'll still be able to. I, I think they're planning to still get down to GrogCon. I didn't get the specifics. He just texted me um, last night some of the challenges they're having or the challenge they're having and wanted to make sure we mentioned it, which of course we would. So please send them your, your good vibes and prayers and thoughts to our friends up in Cleveland. Cause uh, you know, the irresistible emulator of Cleveland, we want him and his wife to, to do well, but uh, we're, we're thinking about Amanda and Carlos. Okay. Okay, okay. great. That's um, yeah. So with that, Max, thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed your, I hope you enjoyed this. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Sorry for the background noises. I mean, there's washing for seven people. Only on the weekend can do that, so sorry about that. <laughs> there's so many running water. I hope the distortion of the sound isn't too bad on your side. Here it, no, it's okay. Okay, because here it's hectic. It's really noisy, so I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> sorry about that, viewers and uh, listeners, uh, about that. But, you know, life happens, and when you get six seven people here to do their washing yeah yeah that's what happens man, well, my man yeah, that... my man cave is all pipes and <laughs> like you see so you know that's my little small safe space if you can call it that nice. so, sorry about that yeah next time i'll try to uh, do it there i don't know and uh, outside uh, in the wilderness or something <laughs> where there's wi-fi <laughs> no it's all good it's all good thank you so much yeah well, well i but, think yeah. we talked about last week um uh, maybe we'll do a virtual uh, game. We'll get you on. Maybe we'll get Vic on. We'll get 
David Thompson. We just have to find a a, a, a time that would be that good. works works for everyone. Yeah, that would be amazing. We're on uh, five different time zones throughout <laughs> the world, and we would certainly love to uh, you know get our our you know folks who are part of our community. And maybe it would be something I would run. Maybe Dan and, and Nico would be here. Maybe Vic would want to do it online. We'll figure something out. Um, but that will happen probably, you know, after GrogCon. we got to get through that. You know, maybe our one-year anniversary, close to our one-year anniversary. So thank you again, Matt, hey. for being on the show. Perfect. I, I, it was a real pleasure. Uh, I was really, really nervous because it's been a while since I've been on front of a camera. But uh, I've been a reviewer in television shows before, but uh, it's been, uh, what, close to 20-ish years since I've been in front of a camera. So my first time in a while. So I was like, whoa, okay, okay. <laughs> well, you did great. I, I, we've Thank had a you. great time. Thank you. Oh, okay. So Vic has said uh, he would be the master of mayhem. That would be wonderful. So uh, so we'll need to get that set up after GrogCon. Um, so, you know, Perfect. Vic comes down. Yep. He comes down to Florida. I think he comes down every year. I, uh, uh, you know that that'll be that'd be wonderful. So perhaps we could do something in person and then stream you guys or do something like that. We'll figure Hopefully. something out. So hopefully, I would like that. <laughs> okay, perfect, wonderful. So so uh, for Max, I'm James, and thank you for listening to Grog Talk and yep, and we'll see you later. Oh yes, oh thank you very much. We have to roll our yep. Thank you, sir. I, you know what? You know what the problem was? I didn't scroll down. Go ahead. Roll D10. I'm sorry if I break the chain. <laughs> That's okay. Oh, I broke the chain. Five. What'd you Five. Okay. That's not bad. <laughs> Five is a little close to average. It's, you know, because I think it's Dan is not here. <laughs> well, the noise and Dan's not here and, you know, um, <laughs> but uh, th thank you again. For those, uh, thank you guys on YouTube. We're on uh, YouTube every week. Uh, we're on Twitter at Grog Talk. We're on the website, GrogCon, Google Play, iTunes for the podcast. Please review, like, and subscribe. If you want to be a guest or you want ideas for the show, please send it at info at grogcon.com. And once again, I'm James. Go ahead, Max. I'm Max. And we'll see you next week on Grog Talk. Bye-bye now. This is Big Opposite Production. All rights reserved.